1: very good evening welcome folks to another edition of higher ground chris warren with you for the next few hours as we sink our teeth into all the big issues of the day and there have been plenty thanks for your company here at sen's late night sports bar pull up a stool uh, grab yourself a drink Make yourself comfortable and please feel free to join the conversation. The open line is now open. one 1170 And so too is the text line, 457 736 736. Let's get down, let's get down to business. I'll give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Yes, indeed, let's get right down to business. Come on, uh, don't be shy, um, and happy Valentine's Day as well. If you'd like to uh, send through your love song request over the text line, we might play a few of those uh, romantic tunes throughout the next few hours. Cowboy Dan always loves a, a romantic tune or two. But uh, what a what a 24 hours it's been in sport, hey? Plenty for us to talk about. Where do we start? Let's go with Super Bowl, um, a thrilling triumph for uh, LA Rams 23-20 over the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 56 in California. Um okay, I admit any others didn't watch the whole game. I'm one of them. Didn't watch the whole game, but uh, I saw highlights and snippets of it. And, yeah, look, NFL, it's not my go-to sport. And if I'm honest again with you, uh, probably the only game across the season or the year that I do tune into is the Super Bowl. Um, it's such a big event, isn't it? It's an exciting event. So we'll talk more about uh, that. But well done to the Rams. Um, and their their last Super Bowl win was in 1999, but of course, um, they were then based in St. Louis, weren't they? So that's their their first uh, Super Bowl championship as Los Angeles. So uh, well done to them. Now, also, big, big day yesterday uh, in Houston. Uh, Again, we're going stateside, UFC 271. In terms of um, an Australian angle, gee, we did so well. And Sydney as well. You could say Sydney's becoming the fight capital of the world. Well, maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but we certainly are churning out some some great fighters at the moment, aren't we? Rob Whitaker's uh, he lost his rematch um, to and, and and middleweight world title fight against New Zealander uh, Israel Adesanya, but I did see. Um, well, I was here. I, I watched a bit bit of the fight. The crowd seemed to think the judges got it wrong, so there will be Whitaker Adesanya three. I am sure that is ine- inevitable. Um, and Mount Druitt's tied to a Varsa. Uh, against the number three heavyweight in the world, the KO King, Derek Lewis, got it done in two. The Yanks can't get enough of Tua Vasa. he Shuey as well, Shuey Vasa. Um, and his next fight, he's in for another big, big payday. Uh, they absolutely can't get enough of him. And then there's the, the Penrith Panthers wrestling coach, uh, Jacob Malkoon. Now, he's Rob Whitaker's training partner as well. Which you probably know that. And he too had a, a win in Houston. And, of course, um, okay, Sydney can't claim this one. Uh, King Casey O'Neill, she's a Queenslander, but a huge win for her. Uh, So a lot of success over there. Um, And last night, again, a crazy match. The second T20 against Sri Lanka went right down to the super over, it was. Um, And Steve Smith, uh, thoughts head out to him. He's out of the series now. Uh, A Superman-type fly trying to save a six. I don't know if you saw that. And his head hit the turf with a, a, enormous force. So he's out of the series. Um, but I thought there were no hope of, of getting the level, the, the, the score's level and forcing a super over. But they did, uh, needing 18 or 19 off the final over, Sri Lanka. Um, another big performance, though, from Josh Inglis with the bat and uh, Josh Hazelwood, certainly, with the ball. Um, what else? Winter Olympics, Laura Peel, Um, and we've got another one as well tonight in the aerial final. So, and very good medal chances. Very good. Laura, I think qualified first. Um, and Daniel Scott is also through. So we'll be keeping you across that. Uh, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. I'm going to talk to him a little bit later on about what's happening, uh, at the Winter Olympics, but uh, good to see so much success for um, the Aussie competitors. Paul Dennett from Cricket Unfielder, we'll be talking to him later as well. All things cricket. And I want to talk about this IPL auction, the money that was thrown around, and one, well, little known Aussie, little known Aussie, he has been paid the highest 1.5 mil. Okay, Tim David. We're going to talk more about him. So lots for us to get through. We have already review, or previewed rather the seasons uh, for Parramatta, uh, for Canberra, for the Roosters. So our series of NRL season previews will also continue. And tonight we're going to focus on the Red V, St. George Illawarra Dragons. So Dragons fans, um, stick around. We'll do that in the first hour. If you've got any questions um, you might like to pose to me, um, about the uh, the Dragons and, and their fortunes uh, coming up this year. We'll send them through. 0457 736 736. Coming up shortly, I'm going to be talking to Jaleesa Apps. Uh, yes, I know she is a very, very busy girl. Channel 10 presenter, SEN host. Um, and we'll talk about a range of issues across the weekend with Jaleesa. She's right across that. But read the uh, the Dragons uh, preview uh, Jack Clifton's going to jump on the line. He hosts the Red V podcast and Dragons uh, fans who are listening will no doubt um, know about the Red V podcast. So plenty for us to sink our teeth into and given it is Valentine's Day. Um, again, happy Valentine's Day to all of our, our listeners out there. Uh, I'll send through those requests. What are some of your all time greats? Your romantic ballads, romantic tunes. And I'll, I'll dig some out from the SEN archives and we'll play them and, um, in this inter- in, in fact, what we might turn it into, ins- instead of being tonight's a late-night sports bar, why don't we make it on Valentine's Day. This is Higher Ground, your late-night love lounge. Yeah, well, that's... I don't know. See, that music, it, it sounds a bit depressing. What sort of a bloody relationship would that be? Come on, I want some I want some romance, okay? So uh, our guys and girls in the, the studio audience, they are, they are here, so they clearly... <laughs> yeah, loners, loners, singletons, clearly haven't got any girlfriends or boyfriends, so that's why they're here with us. So um, we've sort of done a little bit of... Um, readjusting with the studio, and I know you can't see it, but I'll just take my word for it. We've normally got quite a few of the sports screens on, and there's a fair bit of sporting memorabilia. It's only a small um, studio coming to you here, the higher ground studio. Tonight it's, um, it's not so much the sports bar, it's the Love Land. So we just just dim those lights a little bit. Oh, that's beautiful. That's lovely. And I guess, you know, where else would I rather be on Valentine's Day than, than here with Cowboy Dan?
2: Hello, Chris. Happy Valentine's How are you, day. darling? <laughs> very well, thank you. How are you? No, I'm good. I like what you've done with the lights. I yeah, it's it's nice, nice, isn't it? Yeah, very subtle, but very nice.
1: And it's nice, and I've got a bit of a, over that, uh, the, that those lights there, I've put a bit of that cellophane. Um, what colour? It's sort of a, a purpley sort of...
2: It it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, don't like it too much, will you? No, just a little bit. Because you are in a a
1: happy relationship. I am. I I don't want you throwing yourself at me across. No. Because that's what can happen in confined spaces.
2: Correct. On on
1: Valentine's Day.
2: How was your Valentine's Day? Or how has your (laughs) Valentine's Day been?
1: Oh, good. yeah, um, Yeah. Cut and paste. Yep. Cut and paste. Yep. Well, well, I'm a singleton, you yes, know, uh, like right. these losers up the back here, like did most you, of them.
2: Did you get any secret Valentine's go- Day uh, gifts? Sorry?
1: <laughs> uh, no. Um, no. Uh, yes. Uh, I got a text, a couple of texts <laughs> yeah. uh, from a couple of old flames. Secret of Mars as no, well. No, old flames. Uh, and uh, why are they old flames? Well, probably me. Mm. But I'll tell you what I did see today. Uh, and by the way, listeners, um, feel free to pick up the phone and have a chat, all right? Don't just leave us sitting here like a, a shag on a rock, that sounds rude, doesn't it, a shag on a rock?
2: On Valentine's Day, especially. Yes. yes, a shag's a
1: bird. Yes. Yes, but it does sound a bit rude. Correct. Um, get involved with the show, right? More the merrier. Uh, come in, we'll squeeze you into the studio, um, or just pick up the phone, 1300 01 three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Send us through a text. If you've got any, um, any requests, tunes, love tunes, we might try and dig them out as well, 0457 736 736. And on the serious note, yes, it is. Okay, it is the Love Lounge tonight, but it's still a sort of sports bar. It's a sports show. Loosely titled a sports show, I guess. We probably talk more rubbish than sport, but um, you know the drill. Anything you want to talk about. Um, Loads of cricket to talk about. Steve Smith, he's gone for the T20 series now after last night's uh, failed Superman efforts, but uh, how courageous that was. Um, Dragons fans, we're going to preview your club a little bit later on. We'll do that in the first hour. Loads happening in Beijing, the Winter Olympics, so we're going to be uh, talking about that. You might have uh, some thoughts on... On that as well, uh, the Super Bowl. Did you watch it? Did you watch it, or maybe did you just watch the halftime entertainment, which in itself I think went for about twelve minutes? <clears throat> Excuse me, twelve minutes. Um, I, I watched. I, I sort of zoned in and zoned out. I didn't watch the whole lot, um, but it's always a great event. Whether you understand the nuances of the the game um, or not, I think you've you've got to watch it sort of as a sporting event. Whether you can devote four hours of your day to it's another thing. Um, but I did watch the conclusion. So we'll be talking uh, a bit later on to one of your contacts who is in the States right now. He's going to be joining us a bit later on.
2: Yeah, going to set his alarm for 6am in the morning. Um, by the way,
1: I've got a
2: friend who would love to make Super Bowl Day a public holiday in Australia. I don't agree with that. A lot of people watch it, though. A lot of people do take yeah, the day off. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. out on
1: the shandies today. Yes. A lot yeah. of people. And a lot of people out on the shandies yesterday. Correct. the source. They were. I, uh, with UFC. Yes. We, we spoke to a couple of them.
2: Uh, I was out, but not for the UFC.
1: But you are always out. Correct. You're the most sociable person. You're the most sociable person in a relationship mm. that I've, I've ever met. You've got that many leave passes, you don't know what to well, do with them. Or, she, well, or your lovely um, partner... Just likes to see the back of you, and your she happily pushes you out the door.
2: Probably a bit of both, although she does come along quite a lot.
1: Oh, good, good. So, what's she doing for Rome for Valentine's Day? Uh,
2: probably watching Married at First Sight and going to bed,
1: or one of those chick flicks.
2: Yeah, no maths. She'll be watching maths.
1: Now, I um I, something strange. Now, this is yes. loosely related to Valentine's Day, I guess. Yeah. Strange, sort of strange thing at the uh, my local beach today at the w- pool. What happened? So. Okay, mm. there was just me and a couple of uh, another guy, another girl doing laps. Yep, like Olympic pool, beach mm. pool, rock pool, you know. Mm. And in the corner of the rock pool, sort of looking over the the water's edge, mm. an older chap. Yep, in his seventies, I'd I'd say, mm. in budgies. Mm. but he was doing the bridal waltz.
2: Yes, that's a bit odd. That's a bit strange.
1: There, there was no bride. <laughs> And there was no music.
2: Was, was he doing And he it was with, doing
1: this for, I, I would say, 40 minutes.
2: Maybe he does this every day.
1: No. No? Oh, I've seen him there most days, this chat. So it's a wide today. Well, I'm thinking, is it something to do with Valentine's Day? Maybe it is in memory of his, his wife? Been. I don't know. No. So he was doing the shuffle forward. Shuffle right, shuffle back. He's got the arm out here, mm. and he's got the other hand around, I guess, the small of the mm. the imaginary lady's back. Okay. Stepping, sliding back. All the way, really? stepping, sliding back. Mm. And he did this for 40 minutes. That's In the commitment. hot sun.
2: That's for very No commitment. hat on. Mm.
1: Just his budgies. 75-ish.
2: Were you tempted to go and say hello to him?
1: I was tempted to go and say, now, can, is is this Rome? Is it sort of because it's Valentine's Day? Mm. I thought, I thought I'd thought just stay out of it, mind my own business.
2: You could have done with this music, the bridal waltz music.
1: Yeah. I wonder if people get married on Valentine's Day. Would that be good luck or bad luck?
2: Well, if it's on a weekend, especially on a Saturday, and it does fall on a Saturday sometimes, every once in a while. That's how the calendar works.
1: I'd say probably every, yeah, seventh yeah. year. Might, nice, don't nice, know. Yeah, nice music. Anyway, you know? happy Valentine's Day. Let's get involved with the show, 1-300. I'm sick of talking about this, this 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 waffle. Let's talk some hard-hitting sport. Um, we're going to have Julisa Apps is going to join us next, I believe. Yes, Hopefully correct. after this break, if we can get hold of Julissa. Uh She was at the All-Stars game at the weekend, um, but didn't go down the sideline in the end. I thought she was going to, but she decided to stay up.
2: Technical problems, I believe. I don't stay know. dry.
1: Oh yeah, sure. That's she's making the that sure The weather was pretty, it was
2: raining, it's quite wet.
1: So yeah. she didn't go down in the torrential rain she on the sideline. May you can't call yourself a sideline eye if you don't go and get really, really wet once in a while.
2: Exactly. Okay. Awful. All but right. but smart decision.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Well no, you gotta no. That was her debut, right? You yeah, you well, can't say you can't say no, it's pouring, I'm gonna stay in the box. No way. You can take it up with her. I will? You should. Do that next. You bet it is. Chris Warren with you right up until uh well, how long are we gonna stay here? Until midnight. Let's stay here till midnight. The love lounge until midnight, okay? So I'll be here. Keep those texts coming through. Uh, thank you, Toolman. I'll get to yours in a moment. Steve from Padstow, uh, he's listening as well. We've got loads more coming through. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, let me know how you've celebrated um, Valentine's Day and, and Super Bowl um, and what you're doing for your lovely partner, what you're doing that's nice and special. If you've got any requests for love songs, we can, we can dig a few out as well. Joining us now from Channel 10 and also uh, these days an SEN host as well is Jelisa Apps. Good evening. How are you?
3: Hello. I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. Any schnitzels on the plate tonight or not?
3: No, I haven't um, had a schnitzel. I haven't actually had dinner yet because uh, my partner actually cooks dinner. He cooks everything. Yeah. Um, and he's not home yet because he's playing squash and, like, I, I'm not cooking for myself. Is he kidding? Okay.
4: Okay. Okay.
3: Like, come well, you on. could have
1: just, you could have taken up the, you uh, know, you could have headed into the kitchen, put the apron on and... Cooked him a nice little romantic meal for when he comes in from no, school. No, we've
3: got it divided really good. We've got the cooking and the cleaning, like, so it's a good routine. Don't want to mess it up.
1: Good stuff. How, knows what how long has this relationship been? Uh, can I ask? What, what, what sort of stage are we in, in, year-wise?
3: Oh, we've been together for years. Um, I want to say, like, six or seven. Wow. I don't know. I don't exactly know.
1: And, and has he popped the question or, or not?
3: No, no. I think Mm. we're just, and I think we're probably happier for it.
1: Well, you never know.
3: (laughs) Because well, but but then you know. This is my theory: is you know, the person is always with you because they actually want to be with you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What? uh, What's it? (laughs) Just to
3: really give everyone some real balance. Oh, look! Tonight
1: might be his night. He might get down on bended knee for you tonight. What's he cooking?
3: Um, I don't know. I think he's got um, – I, I don't know. I think okay. he had like a – he looked like he was stuffing chicken before. Or something. Well, I hope,
1: well, I hope that's what he was doing in there. Now, listen, let's um, – right, let's talk some sport. All-stars, well done. Well done. Um, on Thanks. one on one count, though, I was a bit disappointed that you um, you didn't get down to the sideline. You dodged the rain on your debut.
3: All right, all right. Mm. This is a rumor perpetuated by Jimmy mm. that I was being a diva and wouldn't go down the sideline. Mm. That is not true. I desperately wanted to be at the sideline, but there was a little accreditation problem. Right. And if anyone knows the NRL accreditation system, we well, probably don't know it. So let me just tell you, it's easier to yep. get out of jail yes. than it is to get to the sideline of a rugby league game if you don't have the right accreditation uh-huh. so I was um, Jimmy and Joel had me in the box so uh, yeah it was fun
1: alright well so let, let's just get that right then <laughs> so um, I'll stick up for you it was all about accreditation not you being a diva what an event though on a serious <laughs> side of things um, I was absolutely gripped um, to the, the TV if that's the right description the pre-match stuff was just just beautiful to watch
3: Yeah, it was really good. And the women's game, I was so impressed with as well. And just to see how far that that's come in the past couple of years. But also the crowd that was watching it too. There were, you know, normally um, in the past couple of years, you've seen a really small women's crowd and then everyone rolls in for the men's game. But that was not the case this year. There was, I would say, 70% of the people who ended up turning up were there for the women's game. And it mm. was such a good game as well, like it was just to see how much the standard has, um, come ahead has been really great and to see, I, it's often something I've worried about with rugby league is that I worry that it's getting left behind by cricket because cricket made the investment in the women's game 20 years ago and now it's paying mm. complete dividends because it doesn't pay for a long time. It is a loss for a really long time and the standard isn't there for a really long time. But now women's cricket is huge and mm. um, you know they sell out stadiums and they're very recognisable. And same with the Matildas. Like, the Matildas soccer was like one of the first sports that was onto it. Um, yeah. And to see how now that the NRL is, And the night before, I'd been out at the Eels media launch as well, um, where they were launching their women's side. So, you can see, that game was really good. And then the men's game, um, I have to be honest, I thought the Indigenous team um, were a little flat, more like (coughs) that. Sorry, I guess the weather didn't really help with that. But um, just that back line didn't quite fire. And um, Josh Adokara thought was a little bit quiet. But again, the weather was... um, not great for him, but um, yeah, the Maldi was they were amazing and had a really strong forward pack, which I think helped them in the end.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, I was I was impressed with the defense. Um, yeah, the general standard of play for the first match of the season I thought was, was pretty darn good. And um, well, we can say the opening try of the season, uh, it was pretty special, wasn't it? That break down the eastern touchline by David for and you know, if that's setting the tone for the year of rugby league we've got to come, I think we should be in for a, a really good season. Just, just on the cricket, um, the cricket and you know the women's cricket and the women's footy and and crowds and all that sort of stuff. You you look at the last couple of T20s, the Aussie men's team. I think there were about six thousand there last night. If that and uh, and at the SCG and then about ten thousand at the SCG. Um, on, on Friday night, wasn't it? But uh, just a great crowd at Parramatta Stadium, at Combank Stadium. Given the conditions, it just goes to show how how eager uh, the Rugby League fans are to have the season back.
3: Yeah, and also just the passion that's also behind that game too. Where I think in the lead up, because there's so much build up to that game um, in the week leading up to it, I think everyone knows about it and everyone's, you know, really dying to see the um, war cry and um, the harker. And um, there was just such excitement building up that league was back. Unfortunately, the cricket kind of went a little unnoticed except for everything that happened off the field uh, because everyone everyone I spoke to didn't even know it was on. It was it was really... It really flew under the radar, which was really disappointing because it was actually two really good games, especially last night. I went to yeah. the Super Over and to see Josh Hazelwood who is somebody that um, was previously thought of as he wasn't a T20 player, yeah. be given the ball in the Super Over. I mean, how how, how I mean, good's he
1: going, Josh Hazelwood? So, oh, so his figures are just off the charts and he had a fair bit of time out, didn't he? I think he played at the Gabba, didn't he? And then was rested for the rest of the series with that side strain. But, um, well, let, let's lead into then. And, and he's one of the bigger earners in the IPL auction over Saturday and Sunday some big bucks thrown around Pat Cummins and David Warner also earning mega bucks in excess of a million dollars for about seven weeks work thanks very much um but there were some others that that missed out including Steve Smith i guess that's cuz he's yeah. he's not that focused on the on the T20 side of things but um and another little known player who um was purchased for 1.5 million and and many of our listeners won't know who he won't know who he is.
3: Who are you talking about?
1: Tim David.
3: Oh, yes. Well, no. when he was really good in the Big Bash, though. I think that um, he maybe he flew under a little bit under the radar in the Big Bash because the Big Bash flew under the radar a yeah. little bit. But I'm I'm not I'm not to see that he was picked up one of the other big standouts was um obviously Josh Hazelwood he um, landed uh, um, 1.44 million dollar deal I think it mm. was um, to join the, join the um, Royal Challenge of Bangalore but also England all-rounder Liam Livingston he got um, 2.1 million I think it was wow. <clears throat> or maybe almost 2.2 million that was a huge amount of money, like just for seven weeks' work. Like, And you know what I found really funny is Pat Cummins was asked about um, the IPL in that press conference that he was talking about, uh, you know, why they knife Langer? I'm joking, they didn't knife him, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. why, why they, you know, ha- put, put their thoughts forward about Langer, And he was actually asked about the IPL in that. And he mm. said, oh, when's the auction? He didn't even know when the no. auction was. And so these folks are earning $1 million for seven weeks' work. If I'm about to earn $1 million for seven weeks' yeah. work, I have afterpaid everything. I need that money coming in.
1: Absolutely. And you sort of know um, you know, when the, the job interview will be too, don't you? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Tim David, Yeah, you know, look, I, I know he's well-known in cricket circles, but, but in terms of he's not a household name. Uh, he's not no, like he's your not. Hazelwood and your Cummins and your Warners, and yet he's earning more at the IPL auction. He's been picked up uh, more than them. Quite remarkable. Did you catch any of the Super Bowl today?
3: I did. Um, I really enjoyed the m um, and M&M and 50 Cent concert. It was really good.
1: <laughs> yes. What about the play itself or did you just tune in for halftime?
3: Uh, look, I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I love the Super Bowl. I think everyone loves the Super Bowl. I actually found the playoffs a lot more interesting for some reason. I don't know if it was because T- uh, Tom Brady was still there and that that game was really interesting. But um, yeah, like it was a it was a good game. It came sort of down pretty close to the wire, and yeah, it was it was great. Did you watch it?
1: I watched bits of it. I watched the end, the last five or ten minutes. Um, I uh, ducked out for a swim during the halftime uh, entertainment and came back, but it was very much the Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup show. They were just, just combining so, so. Well, it's not my go-to sport, obviously, but um, I enjoyed the finish. We're going to talk more Super Bowl a bit later on in the show for um, the late-nighters that are, that are joining in. Uh, just back on cricket. Did you?
3: Sorry, yeah, sorry, I just have to clarify something there. Did you say you ducked out for a swim during the halftime show?
1: Yeah, either side of the halftime show. Are you kidding? No, no, I swim every day. It's It's a priority for me. Keeps me. No,
3: it's not the swimming, it's the ducking out during the halftime show (laughs) of all the times you've gone for a time.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, one concert's the same as another, isn't it? I'm a lot older than you, too. You
3: know? This is a I this was all my thirteen year old dreams come true. Like I don't think you understand. I loved fifty cent. I loved Eminem. I still love Snoop Dogg. I did IQ Dr. it. Ray.
1: I did IQ it, but that's more for my fourteen year old daughter. So uh yeah, no, I yeah, that's not not my real go to. Anyway, look, I dunno if you listened earlier, I had an interesting time down at the pool. there was a seventy five year old man uh in some budgies uh doing the bridal waltz without any music and without a bride but that's another story for another day. Steve Steve Smith um last night it was quite it was quite um incredible what he did. He was brave and it didn't come off. But my goodness,
3: he hit that turf hard, didn't he? Yeah, he did and he's obviously had um <coughs> some concussion problems before, so it's not um good to see him like that, but He really put his body on the line there to try and um, for anyone who didn't see it, he basically stretched back over the boundary rope and um, hit his head, sort of came down and then hit his head on the ground and it was really nasty for a second. I actually felt like maybe they'd shown a little bit too much of it on television, I was Having got up and he walked off. But for a moment there, I was like, this is very distressing to see him rolling around and grabbing his head. And his teammates obviously were a little bit panicked. But he will now miss out on the rest of the T20 series. Um, so he hasn't gone to Canberra with the side. But maybe he'll be back for the rest. Who knows?
5: All
1: right. Hopefully,
3: well, he'll be in Pakistan soon.
1: Yeah, I hope so um certainly hope that is is the case um this text has come in uh jaleesa um hi chris can we have jaleesa apps added to the higher ground program every time uh what about that there's a fan from eric
3: oh hey. lovely well, that must be my um partner making up for being late maybe so <laughs>
1: listen i hope i hope it goes well tonight the dinner and um if he do, does propose i hope that all goes well as well so but thanks for joining us jaleesa as always
3: cool okay thank you chris
1: have a good night <laughs> all right mate take care uh there she is jaleesa Apps and she, you know, she's still getting over covid too i sounds like. she's, a yeah. bit. She's a little bit coffee now we're going to take a a break keep those text messages coming through 0457 736 736 is the number let us know what you're doing for valentine's day uh okay the tool man has been in touch Getaway, uh, Mrs. Toolman cooked up a bloody good feed. To top it off, with a nice bundy for me and a red wine for her. Uh, I'll be giving her the uh, ooh, the best of Toolman later on. <laughs> yes, it is, and uh, it is coming up to twenty three minutes to ten here in uh, in Sydney. So twenty three minutes to nine up there in Brisbane. Sen sixteen twenty. Uh, welcome to our listeners yep. on the Gold yep. Coast too. Yep. Uh, and text messages keep them coming through. Oh four five seven seven three six. 736 bit of a uh, a romantic sort of twist to tonight's uh, show it's no longer the late night sports bar or for tonight it's the late night love lounge so if you've got any tunes you'd like us to dig out we can uh, we can play that eric sends through a text um as well as having jaleesa apps on the show every night he wants um is cowboy dan the new mad russian where is the mad russian would be good if we can have both of them on the program cheers Mm -hmm. eric well, the only problem with that, I mean, this 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 program, as as high rating as it is, given that it's later at night, the big boys downstairs, the, the earlier guys, like breakfast yep. and then Vossi and then in the yeah. afternoon, they soak up all the budget.
2: Yeah, there wouldn't be much budget. So there's
1: nothing left for me and my crew. Uh, yeah. So I don't know that we we're able to get. Another couple in here. I don't know. But it's a good idea, Eric. I'd love to have them both in here.
2: It'd be great. I'd love to work with uh,
1: them, Bondi Jack. I've got your text, mate. I just want to read through it before I um, read it out. But I have got it. So, uh, good evening to you, my friend. Hope you had a nice Valentine's Day. Righto. We are continuing the series. Uh, our series of NRL season previews. We've already done Parramatta Eels. Uh, we have done the Roosters. We have done the Raiders, and uh, tonight we're going to focus on St. George Illawarra Dragons. I spoke yesterday, actually, to Josh Kerr uh, on the back of uh, his performance in the uh, in the All-Stars match. Good fella is Josh, and I'll get him on the program again soon. Uh, tonight, though, uh, from a fan's perspective, that's where we're coming from with these previews. Uh, Jack Clifton joins us. He's host of the Red V podcast. Uh, Jack, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. Thanks for having me on again, mate. My pleasure, mate. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being um, absolutely enthusiastic and optimistic about your team's chances, a scale of 1 to 10, where where are you sitting in, in terms of a good season ahead for the Dragons?
6: i uh, probably sitting on a scale between six and seven. I'd say, Chris. I think yeah, I think most Dragons fans are probably the most optimistic before the season, and and generally by uh yeah by the end of June the uh, the optimism scale is on its way uh on its way down with a bit of a nosedive. But yeah, fairly confident heading into into this season with with the signings that have been made and and some of the young guys that came through at the back end of last year that got a little bit of first grade under their belt. It yeah, there is there is I I'd say a case for optimism for the Dragons heading into 2022
1: at the back end of this interview i'm i'm going to ask you okay what will be a successful season for the Dragons? so you just think Mm. about that as we we continue this chat um jack you finished 11th last year um and and we've seen it too often haven't we in recent years you get off to Mm. a really good start and then things sort of um fall apart a little bit
6: yeah i think it's been the uh a real achilles heel of the dragons for for some time, and you could probably date that back to the, the 99 grand final. Um, uh, there, there'd been um, uh, real fade-outs in, in, in games in, in that era, but but certainly in the last decade, I, I think, since well, even when Wayne Bennett was at the Dragons in 2011, the, the Dragons had a bit of a fade-out after Origin. But, it's, yeah, it's something that has really plagued them um, over the last decade and something that they need to get right. Uh, I guess you could probably point to the fade-out last season, but I thought the circumstances were probably a little bit different to other seasons. Um, I think when other coaches and other players had been involved in the club, it was probably more of a, a fitness and a fatigue fade out than anything else. I just don't think the, the Dragons had the, the squad depth of the quality in, uh, in their, their squad overall to probably compete with some of the upper echelon sides. And then you throw in, um, like we've spoken about before, Chris, on this show, the, what happened with the barbecue and then other suspensions. Mm. Of course, it kind of gets lost that when the NRL brought in the... The no contact to the head rule. Tyrell Filmiono and and Josh Maguire were the two players that uh, copped it on the chin, quite literally, um, from from the mm. NRL judiciary, and and that that certainly affected the the Dragons a little bit. So um, yeah, that's something they need to they need to try and, um, and address. And I guess us as Dragons fans are hoping that the the fact that there is a little bit more quality and a bit more depth, especially in the forwards, I think after Paul Vaughan was giving his marching orders, there wasn't a whole lot um, coming through behind that. But as you mentioned, you've had uh, Josh Kerr on the program. He's going Mm. to be a really important player for the Dragons this year. But uh, interesting one in George Burgess coming back from England and having had that... Um, uh, that that hip surgery that it, uh, has never really been done mm. before in, in in the sporting world. But you, mean, you also look at guys like uh, Francis Muller and Aaron Woods that, that could really have an impact with the Dragons. So I think there's cause for optimism. Um, how much optimism, uh, I can't answer that question at the moment.
1: We'll talk about a, a few of the, the ins and the outs in a moment. So, yeah, you won your first uh, four of your opening five games. You won last season, including wins over Para and manly um, from a fan's perspective, how are they warming to Anthony Griffin? So he's had one year under his belt. Now um, are they liking what they've seen from Griff.
6: I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit split and a little bit divided. Chris, really, I, I think, there's probably half the fan base, and I probably fall within that that think that Andrew Griffin's done a, done a pretty good job. Um, I think uh, rugby league clubs these days are a very closed closed door cop scenarios. It's very hard for us as fans to really know what's going on um, behind those closed doors, and I think there's been a fair bit of. Of, of stuff that's been happening at the Dragons for a long time that um, has probably plagued them in in, in recent years and, and meant that they haven't had as much success as other clubs and, and I think Anthony Griffin has kind of been brought in by by Ryan Webb and, and the rest of the, the Dragons board to try and clean up a little bit of um, a little bit of that mess um, and, and I think last year was was quite evident of that I, I think yeah sometimes um, it's more than a, a win loss. Uh, record that you need to look at in terms of a coach and we, we know what he did with, with Penrith and you could argue to the cows come home whether he had an impact on, on how well Penrith are doing now but he's, he's certainly been known for, for promoting juniors and, and um, getting that, that the, those young players um, getting them some first grade experience and I think that's going to pay dividends for the Dragons um, but then there's others that yeah just look at the, the record last year and, and obviously want immediate success Chris which is a hard is a hard sell these days mm. in, in professional sport um, but it is I uh, Unfortunately, what coaches, they live and die by the sword. If you you have um, 30 losses to 10 or 15 wins, then you're going to find yourself... Um, in SenaLink um, in 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 a couple of years, if 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 mm. that's that's what you, that, that's the record that you you're pushing forward. So ultimately, wins are going to be the, um, the the currency that Anthony Griffin has to um, has to deal with. And I, I guess the other thing that you could say to, to that is that I think he's probably got his own squad now. That was um, a Paul McGregor squad that he inherited last year. He hadn't really had a chance to buy his own players. He bought Andrew McCulloch and Josh McGuire and a few other players at at cut price deals, I guess, to try and pad out the squad and get a bit of experience but now that he's been able to bring in some of these other lads um and, and you combine that with some of the youth and some of the quality like guys like zach lomax and michaeli ravella will will uh, will provide for the dragon the benny hunt obviously the, the the skipper i think um yeah that's uh, this is looking more like anthony griffin squad heading
1: into 2022 who are you most excited about to, to see run around in the red v this year
6: I think George Burgess. I think it's um yeah it's an inter- interesting one for Dragons fans. I don't think we're under no illusions. I, I don't think anyone's expecting the twenty fourteen George Burgess that was unstoppable for South in that that um, drought breaking Premiership um, that they won um, eight years ago now. Um, but I think he's he's an exciting prospect because I, I think the Dragons for a long time haven't really had an enforcer in in the in the front row. You can look back into the history books for St George and St George Illawarra and they've always had. A real enforcer in the middle of the field. And I guess you could probably argue that Paul Vaughan was was that um, in in recent seasons for the Dragons. But I think having someone like George Burgess that could potentially be coming off the bench uh, in the first kind of six to eight weeks of the season, he's 120 kilos, he stands about six foot five, even if he's not at his complete best and doesn't rediscover that kind of form that is at South, I think he can be a real imposing man in the middle of the field. And I think he can probably um, add um, add some wisdom and some advice to some of the younger guys coming through. The Dragons have a couple of young forwards in Josh Corrick and Jackson Sherrub that are development players um, that have come through that, that jersey flag and SG ball system that uh, might not be stars and might not get to play much first grade this year, but they're certainly players that um, that, that, that uh, a few fans and, and coaches have got their, their eyes on. And I think someone with George's experience is going to be invaluable. And I think he's probably appreciative of getting another shot in the NRL and he probably thought that NRL dream was, was over when he went over to Wigan and, and obviously hurt his hip as well.
1: I'm talking to Jack Clifton, host of the Red V podcast and Dragons fans are tuning into to this show. I tell you what, a couple of other players that, that I'm really, I think, can um, add a whole lot to your, your squad and your, your season. Jaden Sewer uh, and also Moses Suley from Manly. Um, yep. I thought Desi really improved Moses Suley um, on and off the pitch. And I think he could be a really good acquisition for you. Okay, so what constitutes a successful season for the Dragons in 2022?
6: Uh, well, it's simple, Chris. It has to be top eight. The, the Dragons haven't played finals footy since 2018, and it's been few and far in between in the, the Paul McGregor years, and, and they did, they've just got to play finals football. Um, we spoke to uh, Andy Raymond um, on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he thought the Dragons sorted into that five to eight position. He thinks they've got enough quality players to, um, to, to get the job done. I think if you look through that list, especially with the players that have been signed and you throw in the likes of, of, of kind of Zach Lomax in the centres, Mika Ravalara on one wing, Ben Hunt at halfback, Andy McCulloch, I know his best football's probably behind him, but he's a really experienced head and a great leader at number nine and some of the young guys. And then, yeah, you've got Jaden Sewer and George Burgess. Francis Moller, who we haven't really spoken about, who's a Queensland representative coming down from the Cowboys. Uh, Tarek Sims, who is either pl- uh, going to be trying to prove a point to the Dragons that he wants another contract and wants to stay at the Dragons, or he's potentially playing playing for his future somewhere else. Um, in, in 2023, so I think there's there's certainly some um, some players there that, that can cause some damage, but I guess on the flip side of that that Chris, that the pressure will really be um, turned up and the heat will be turned up in the kitchen if the Dragons don't start that well and they don't have the easiest of draws either. The Warriors in in round one up there at Sunshine Coast Stadium, the Dragons. Uh, despite beating them last time right before Barbecue Gate, they don't have a great record against the Warriors. Then you've got the reigning Premiers, the Panthers at Cogra in Round 2, which will be the, the Norm Proven um, and Johnny Raper tribute, um, which the, I, I guess emotions are going to be high for that, but the Panthers are such a class side. And then in Round 3, you go down to Wollongong and you've got to take on Cronulla, a side that did the double over the Dragons last year and have, have kind of got the wood in them a little bit as well. So um, And then you've got sides like Parramatta and Manly all in the opening 10 rounds. So it's not going to be easy, but I think at the end of the day, um, if uh, there would have to be extenuating circumstances um, for Anthony Griffin to retain his role if if the Dragons don't play final football in
1: 2022. All righty. Okay. All right, Jacko. Mate, ha- thanks for joining us. Happy Valentine's Day. And that's why we did the Dragons tonight because, you know, you've got the red V and the, lo- the love heart sort of, you know, you, you know where I'm coming from. Take care, mate. Thanks for your yeah, time. Thanks, Chris. All the best, mate. All right. There he is. Um, from Red V Podcast. Uh, does a good job too, if you want to check out that podcast, Jack Clifton. Right, we better move on. We're here until midnight. We've still got plenty to get through. Uh, join the conversation. Um, no one's been game enough on Valentine's Day to pick up the phone and, and have a chat yet. 1 300 01 Keep the text messages coming through. I will get through them, uh, I promise you, before we go off air. And if you've got any requests uh, for any love tunes, uh, send them through. So, White Snake. This is for you. Yes, it is. And I hope you're enjoying your Valentine's Day night, uh, whatever you might be doing. And um, for those that are tuning in to us, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we talk a bit of sport and a fair bit of rubbish as well. And on Valentine's Day, we're going to be playing some some love tunes throughout the next couple of hours. So keep those requests coming through. Is This Love? That was requested by, um, what did I say? Whitesnake. And now he's disappeared.
2: I think the band's Whitesnake.
1: Right on. Yeah. Who says this one? Right on. Is the that the same person? Oh, yes. hang on. No, is it?
2: No name on the text,
1: though. Oh, it? so is this love? That's by Whitesnake. Correct. Oh, yes. I thought Whitesnake was our texter. There's well, no it could no... be. Oh, it's Muzza. Oh, Muzza. Oh, no, it's not. Here it is. Old Chrissy Boy. Radio Gold. How did the smuggler work go this morning? And how many laps are you allegedly swimming? Snoop Muzz. Muzz? Not allegedly, my friend. I swim 30 laps a day of an Olympic pool, right? 365. Rain, hail, mm-hmm. or shine, muzz. i got to punch out that 1.5K. It's all I do. It keeps me sane. You do very well. I think it keeps yeah. me sane anyway. Sort of. Uh, th- oh, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, keep them coming through. This is higher ground. We're having a bit of fun. Uh, join the conversation via text 0457 736 736. Yeah, that text line again. 0457 736 736, um, That's the number. I haven't thrown any talk topics out there for you, so you guys, you you can work out where you want this show to head. This wonderful program of ours, uh, high rating program of ours. Um, sadly, though, it is uh, on the lower scale budget wise across the spectrum of SEN. I don't know why. I got my. I've got a few thoughts on the matter. I mean, you've got now you've got Brandy joining Vossy for breakfast, right? So he's going to be soaking up a fair bit of the coin. Mm. He's not doing it for love. Then uh, you got Maddie White, who's got farms all over the joint, right, and properties everywhere, and thoroughbreds. He does love Or a, at least one horse.
2: He loves his farm, Chris.
1: Yeah, he's, he owns farms. I mean, so how much is he being paid? Then you got Jay Smith, right? Who's mm. got his finger in all sorts of pies. Correct. Jay Smith. Yep. Um. So he's he's soaking up a bit. And then we met the boys on um, Drive, what well, was called Drive before. They've, their marketing team, they've thrown some cash into the marketing team to they come up with a new name for the show The
2: Run Home. The Run Home. Yes.
1: How much of the budget are they chewing up? There's four of them on there Gibbo on, on yep. the piano. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You got Brooksy, the um, highly paid executive producer.
2: Correct. Does a good job. They tell me very
1: highly paid. Yes. Lured him across from Fox Sports. They did. Waved a big carrot in front of him.
2: Knows his NBA.
1: Fletch, I mean, I can only imagine he'd just get whatever he asked for. Of course. And finger in pie, Joel Kane. Mm. He wouldn't come cheaply. So what is left for me? I don't know. Not much. Two fifths know. of FA is not much. No. So those that sent the text in early, I think it was Eric yeah. suggesting, can we please get um, Mad Russian and Cowboy Dan and, and Jalisa Raps yeah. all involved in higher ground? Yeah. There's nothing left in the kitty, Hello fellas.
2: Hello all our fellow presenters,
1: though. And I might be coming across sounding, oh, I'm a bit peed off by all mm. this, having no budget left for higher ground.
2: It does a bit sound like that.
1: Oh, I don't mean, I'm not bitter. No. I'm not, I've got other things to worry about in oh, life, yes. other fish to fry. At least you're not doing the broader. Oh, mate, roles. i tell you what, I'm, a, I'm juggling a whole heap of problems in my world.
2: Oh, this is not good.
1: That's the way it is. It is. I won't burden our listeners with my problems on Valentine's Day.
2: No, I wouldn't.
1: But if they regular listeners to this show, they know I've got issues, problems, haven't we all? Mm. In the area of romance, yes. Well, finance. Um, Valentine's Day could be your Any night. other ants? Yeah. Um,
2: you go on one of those apps and have a drink with someone after the show.
1: App? I'm on the bloody apps. There's no apps I'm not on. Correct. But I think the apps are sick of me.
2: Yes. I think I need correct. to
1: freshen up some pictures. You should. And maybe be honest about my age.
2: Yes. Anyway. It reminds me about something. Anyway, go No, on. there's more
1: to the... No, I've got other issues to deal with rather than worrying about the, the budget or lack thereof for the higher ground program.
2: Well, you're here. I'm here. Yes.
1: And you're here. Mad Russian. I don't know where he's gone. He's probably been lured off to a, another program.
2: No. <laughs> no, he's still here.
1: They've opened the checkbook and got the Mad Russian taking him
2: away from me. Well, you just never know when he might return.
1: Well, anyway, if he's left here, mm. I can tell you, if you are listening, Mad Russian, it's not a promotion, right? It's a demotion, uh-huh. all right? Because the only way he's up with this show, the ratings will show that, right? Anyway, how do we start to get onto this? I don't I know. I wanted to talk some sport. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, Steve from Padstow. <laughs> he sent me a text saying, uh, mm. talking about Jordan Rapiner. I'll get to that, Steve, because I want to talk about the Jordan Rapner a bit later on. You do um he'll be out for two two matches to start the season.
2: Mm.
1: He was already going to be missing one and now he's been given another two match ban uh for yep. the shoulder charge in the All Stars match. Um should that not be three match ban? Anyway, that we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh it's coming up to 4 past 10 in Sydney, 4 past 9 in um Brisbane. But it was all really about uh, Cooper Cup and good name Cooper Cup. If I was the commentator, and I don't know how Jared Waitley didn't slip in a Cooper Cronk. Mm. Maybe he did. I didn't listen to the whole lot. No. Maybe he did slip in a Cooper Cronk. It
2: was a great call.
1: Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, though, they, they just combined uh, so well. In the end, uh, LA Rams, uh, a thrilling 23-20 triumph over the Cincinnati Bengals, who, you know, most people, at the start of the season, were no way in the world will they end up winning their championship, uh, the conference, and then going on into the Super Bowl. Um, but a really close contest in the end. So that's the Rams. That's their second Super Bowl championship in the franchise's history, and their first since moving back to Los Angeles in 2016. So the Rams last Super Bowl win was in 1999, uh, but then they were based in St. Louis. So just back on uh, Rams quarterback, Matthew Stafford, uh, some of his numbers. He completed 26 of 40 passes for 283 yards and two interceptions, but Cup who was later named uh, MVP? And I, I could see that coming. He's an, as a you know an outsider to the game. His 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 fingerprints were all over the game. He caught eight passes for ninety two yards, and then Aaron Donald recorded two of um, LA's seven sacks, including that final one um, when uh, quarterback Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow he was uh, forced to throw a desperate fourth down incompletion. There was thirty nine seconds left to play. And I don't know the intricacies of the game enough. So why, if there's still 40 seconds to play, uh, why were the Rams already victorious and they just celebrated basically for 40 seconds and wound down the clock? I don't quite understand that. I might ask uh, someone that follows the sport yeah. a lot closer than I uh, to explain that for me. Anyway, um, why don't we just relive? Why don't we relive some highlights from Super Bowl 56 and a 23-20 victory for LA Rams over the Bengals?
5: To Evan McPherson to receive Brandon Powell. Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles is underway. Stafford has it, surveys the end zone, pulls it for OBJ. This is a Super Bowl loaded with stars, and he's as big as there is touchdown los angeles quarterback takes the snap folds back into the pocket heaves it down the field chase makes the catch gets up runs to the three sensational down the field jamar chase one-man coverage wins the one-on-one evan mcpherson for the 3 that they're on offer he chips it neatly through stafford's under center second and four fakes the handoff loops around to the right throws up. cooper in the corner touchdown rounds two weapons of the rams have the first two touchdowns well matt done. gay for it's the extra point he's faked he's thrown he's turned it over outrageous stuff And now charging back is Jermaine Pratt. The ball is loose again. It popped out the back. The Bengals have it down at the 25. Shoveled out the back by Burrow. Mixon's going to throw. And Higgins is going to catch. The tricky Bengals. (laughs) Joe Mixon throws Cincinnati's first touchdown in the Super Bowl. Fake handoff, play action, Burrow stands, he throws heavily up the left hand side, catch made by Higgins, who's away to the end zone! What a way to start the second half! The gunslinger! Joe Burrow unloads T. Higgins! They didn't know which way he went, he went all the way to the end zone, painted for Bengals! And Cincinnati lead it! It's a story drowning in fairy dust right now. Evan McPherson for the field goal. It's good. He is perfect in this playoff season. The Rams searching for the go-ahead score. Stafford rolls out to the right. Throws Cooper Cup? Who else? Wow! Rams lead. Did he catch it? He got it. And the maximum pressure. Cup took the catch. Hammered. We wait on the call. Referees come together. Crowd hushed, waiting. Super Bowl hangs in the balance. He was being manhandled in all directions, and he got savagely hit. He didn't get his feet down. He took the catch, but he couldn't get his feet down in the end zone. Wow. Still they trail. A minute 38 left. The Rams down by four. Stafford's under his center. Takes the snap. He's going to loop it up. Cooper Cup. Yes, got it. Makes got the catch to the side. Los Angeles lead. Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup. 43 seconds left. Joe Burrow fourth and one. He stands in center field and center stage. Burrow takes the snap. He sets. It's over. For the Rams. it's as good as a sack, Burrow had to throw it away, and there's 39 seconds on the clock, and Matt Stafford with the luxury of taking a knee, down he goes, and the clock runs down. The Rams take Los Angeles, they come from behind in the final quarter to win Super Bowl 56. Matt Stafford with a career-defining drive. Cooper Cup with a catch that mattered most. And Aaron Donald with the defensive play to ensure it was to be. It's the Rams 23 over the Gallant Bengals 20. LA in their own house celebrate.
1: Yeah, they do. They do indeed. And uh, it's just an epic event, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, LA Rams uh, 23, beating the Bengals 20. Uh, Jared Waitley there in commentary calling play-by-play. Ben Graham, um, good work from him as well. Snoop Muzzle, got your, your text there, mate. I won't read that one out. Um, I don't want to lose my job, my friend. So I won't. I won't read that one out. Um, now the IPL auctions, right? We know all the the cash that's been thrown around there. And did I was it seven million um splashed on Aussies, or maybe even ten million across uh, the couple of days uh, splashed? I think it was more close to seven million dollars uh, splashed out on on Aussies. One of the uh, reg- away from who earned how much, um. And your usual suspects earned in excess of a million. David mm. Warner, Josh Hazelwood, Pat Cummins, uh, Mitchell Stark, we know he's not going there. Um, Steve Smith uh, was overlooked. I think his shelf price or reserve price, rather, was about $350, um, and no one saw fit to uh, to make that. Um, but away from uh, how much the Aussies earned and which clubs they went to, etc., one one issue over the weekend was the poor old auctioneer, and I was talking about this yesterday on Sports Central, he, he fainted, um, and there was grave concern for him. As it turned out, he, he's okay, I think. Um, it was cited as being low, low blood pressure, but I think he's all right. Um, now, Bondi Jack has sent me, a, uh, or us, our program, a text. Um, I won't go into all of it, but, but Bondi is basically saying, um, well, he, he's calling, i tell you what he's calling, the boss of, of, of the Punjab club, um, I think his, his name's Ness Wadia. I'm not quite sure, but uh, Bondi Jack is calling. He says, "Chrissy, super A-grade drop kick, pompous bully boy, um, and should be ashamed of the arrogant antics that may have led to tragedy at the IPL auction." So I didn't watch the IPL auction. I don't suppose you streamed and, and was across it. No, I, I no, didn't I watch wasn't it. No, I had it, other no. stuff to do yeah, over yeah. Over, the, over the weekend. Mm. Um, but basically. Uh, Bondi Jack saying that he was sort of pressured. Um, the auctioneer was really pressured by this boss of Punjab, um, a spoiled rich brat, um, calling him. Anyway, the auctioneer Hugh Edmeads, um, he fainted and, and was, uh, I think, dropped to the to the concrete. So, look, he is okay, but it could have been, it could have ended really, really badly. Anyway, so um, the good news is that, that Hugh, I am sure, is okay. Um, and Bondi Jack says, I, I prayed to God that he, he wasn't brown bread, but um, high stakes and high pressure, and I didn't watch it, so I can't really comment on it, but it would sound like um, some of the bosses of these clubs mm. need to sort of have a look at uh, how they, they behave.
2: I think I did see that clip on uh, Twitter yesterday. It was quite scary to watch, very scary.
1: Yeah, very, I, I can imagine. Okay. Yeah. And it can it can happen too. I mean, you know, high blood pressure, low blood pressure. Um and you you can just you can just faint. Happen happens um well not I say often, but it, it can happen. Mm. Righto, um away from that. Now I wanted to talk about um Jordan Rapiner. And I've got to correct myself always and say, Am I saying it right? Yes, it's not Jordan Rapiner anymore. That happened, that changed a year or two changed, ago. Yeah. Jordan Rapiner, so uh we know what happened in the All Stars match. Um he was, you know, basically ended up in the sin bin. There was a couple of shoulder charges. Uh, he was charged, wasn't he, for the first one? I think it was on David Fafita. And mm. long story short, he has been handed a two-match ban for the 2022 season. Mm. So, and there's two angles to where I'm going with this. And, and feel free, ladies and gents, to have your say on this, right? Firstly... So he's got two match bans. That means he can't play until round three. However, he had already been given a one-match ban from the NRL for a drink driving offense in September. Mm. So basically bringing the game into disrepute. Anyway, we'll we'll we'll, we'll hand you a sanction one-match ban. So Jordan Rapiner was not eligible to play until round two this coming season. So now he's got another two-game ban handed to him with an early plea, still gets two games. But they are served, or that those sanctions, suspensions, are served concurrently. So rather than it being a one-match ban plus the ad, ad, additional two-match ban, it's a three-match ban, they're served at the same time. So he will still only miss two matches of the upcoming season. Now, I'm not a Raiders fan. I, I, take me take me out of this. I, I don't care at all, really. I just, the, the system... I would have thought if you handed a two-match ban, that would be suspending you from two matches from which you are eligible to play, if I'm making myself clear on this. So round one, he was not eligible to play. So they can hardly ban him from a match where she's already been banned from. So I guess I'm, I'm just wondering, scratching my head, why are they served concurrently? Anyway, I, I think it probably should have been a three-match ban. The one for drink driving, add the two and not able to come back until round four. The good news for Raiders fans is that Jordan Rapiner is able to come back in round three. Just think it's a bit odd. Um I think it's a bit odd. Anyway, good luck to them. They 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 got away with that. Um, you might have your thoughts on that. Um Steve from Padstow says I I don't think Ricky will cop Rapiner's garbage this season. Let's hope Um, he has uh, grown up. All right, you might like to have your say. 0457 736 736. Uh, The aerials, women's aerials final um, on in Beijing at the Winter Olympics. We are going to um, chat all things Winter Olympics next. Stick around, a break and back with more. All righty, time now to uh, head to Beijing for the Winter Olympics update. Well, we're not going to Beijing, but uh, joining us to talk all about the Winter Olympics. Um, he joined us yesterday. He, he's across everything, every discipline at the event. Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. Thanks for joining us, Lockie, on, on higher ground. Happy to be here
7: anytime, Chris. Always happy to talk all things Olympic Games.
1: Read a great article today in the Telegraph, and it was comparing. Uh, well, I mean, the Palms—they just can't take a trick. They are yet, <laughs> they are yet England yet to um, to register on the medal count. So we are—we've uh, got four medals. So it's four zip, just like the Ashes. Um, <laughs> it's nice to be beating uh, England, but quite surprising because, particularly the sliding sports, they are—they are they're generally there or or always there, aren't they? um and we pipped him on the skeleton as well
7: yeah they've uh i think the only thing they just won against us was the uh mixed doubles in curling and even then i think it was only by one or two stones so they've uh they'll take whatever they can get the uh the british team because it's been all green and gold so far this this summer that's for sure
1: absolutely all right well let's look ahead to tonight mate what have we got on it's the um women's aerials tonight Uh, we've got a couple of girls into the final, haven't we? Laura Peel and and Danielle Scott.
7: Yeah, this is one that uh, everyone's been quite excited for because Laura Peel, she's a two-time world champion. There's so much excitement around her going into these games. It's always kind of been in her mind that Beijing was going to be the one where she really went for gold and she absolutely delivered in qualification. She posted the, the best score of any... Um, Qualify with a 104.54 to finish three points clear at the top, which means kind of similar to Jakara Anthony in the Moguls earlier, sort of last week. Uh, She'll be going last in the final. She'll be able to set the score. She'll be the one that people are looking to beat. So fantastic position for her. And then we also had another great performance by Danielle Scott, the 31-year-old, been to a few Olympics now. But this one, she's looking very focused and looking very on. She finished in fourth, in the first qualifying to the book, her place straight in the final with a 96.23. So we've got two Aussie girls there, Laura and Danielle, who are looking in a very good position to, to get another medal for Australia. And it's already record breaking Olympic games.
1: We had another girl there too, who who didn't make the final. Is that right?
7: Yeah. Gabby Ash. uh, This is her first Olympic, her Olympic debut. Um, Fantastic to get there. Her sister is also, was also on the winter Olympic team, but has already flown back to Australia. Mm. But, yeah, Gabby, I think she finished two places outside the final. So she finished in 14th overall with only the only the top 12 going through. So unfortunately, this is out on the final, but no doubt she'll be back in our future Olympics. Yeah. Maybe look out for her in Milan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I want to talk about Bree Walker as well. Um, mm. Before we do that, there was another girl there, and I'm sorry, I'm not quite across this story, but I know you will be, an Aussie girl. Am I right she's competed with a broken leg or after coming back from a broken leg? Yeah, it's quite remarkable.
7: Young Abby Harrigan, uh, only 19, from Jindabyne. She's a skier. Um, and she was competing in a, a c- couple events, um, freestyle skiing, throughout this games. But she actually pulled out of the Big Air uh, competition, the one where they go down the one big jump. You'll see a few tricks mm. here. Yeah, we've seen a few people in that. Uh, but she pulled out of that earlier in the week. And she put this post on Instagram saying, I've uh, pulled out of this competition because I've actually got a fractured fibula, wow. broken leg. Um, so I'm going to rest up from this competition and try and have a go at the slope style. God. And you look at that and go, what? You've got a broken leg. Just, <laughs> just don't, don't even risk it. But what she has done, she's gone out today. She's competed with a, a broken leg in the, the free ski slope style. She's made her debut. And look, she, she finished at the bottom of the table. But the fact that she's even there competing and even able to put these runs on the board with a a fractured leg. That she only yeah. she only suffered three, three not three years ago, three weeks ago. Uh, she was skiing and training in the the warm up to the games and collided with another skier, um, and yeah, her leg got broken. There was a clear fracture, and she's still competing at the Winter Olympic Games. I think that's pretty remarkable.
1: Well, they are half crazy, aren't they? These these uh, skiers. <laughs> we know that, but very very courageous nonetheless. Um, Bree Walker, then in the mono. Bob, um, tell us more about this discipline and and uh, where she finished.
7: So yeah, the monobob, uh, the women's monobob is a new uh, discipline for these Olympic Games. And it's very similar to the bobsleigh that everyone would know from yep. cool runnings and things like that. But it's just a one-person um, container essentially carrying them down this tube. So they've got, to, they've got to get the running start all by themselves and go down. Um, and Unfortunately for Bree, she didn't have the best of starts yesterday. She fast started off in run one with the 10th best time. She brought that into the 7th best time after run two, then... Today, she really looked on. She looked focused and she produced some really good racing. She uh, got the second best time of anyone in the third run to move into fifth spot and within touching distance of a medal. And in that final run, she took the lead quite convincingly with four or five competitors still to go behind her. But unfortunately, those other four competitors all brought their A game as well. So Bree Walker finishes in fifth, which is still a remarkable achievement, I think, if you look at, obviously, Jacqueline Narricot won Australia's first sliding medal, but if you if she hadn't been there, this would have been Australia's best ever result in a sliding uh, event at the Winter Olympics. So it's incredible that we've had two of them perform so well uh, at one Winter Olympics.
1: And Tess Cody, um, Lockie, um, she's a possibility of, of getting another medal.
7: Every possibility. Obviously, she uh, won the bronze medal in the snowboard slope style, but now she's got herself right in with a, a chance in the snowboard big air to, to do the same. Uh, she got through qualifying today, okay, in a seventh spot, which is a pretty good spot to be in. But at the end of the day, you just have to get through qualifying and all the scores go to zero. So it's all back on tomorrow. So, yeah, anything can happen Then obviously the confidence of having a bronze medal is certainly going to help. But the one to beat there is, again, going to be Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott, the uh, young Kiwi girl who won their first ever Winter Olympics gold medal. She... Qualified with the fastest score by over five points and has every chance of becoming the first Kiwi to win two Winter Olympic gold medals because she would be the only Kiwi to win a Winter Olympic gold medal. It's quite remarkable.
4: Yeah, well, lots for us to look
1: forward to, mate. And as always, I appreciate you joining us um, on Higher Ground. Thanks very much for your time.
7: Anytime, Chris.
1: There is Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports. He's across everything over there uh, in Beijing. And uh, the women's aerials, they're they're on as we speak. So we will also keep across that right here on Higher Ground. A break and back with more. All righty, time now to talk uh, more cricket and and focus on cricket. And joining us to do that, um, well, we spoke yesterday, actually, but um, so good was Paul Dennett. We thought we'd get him on again from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us, mate, um, on Higher Ground. My pleasure, Chris. Now, it sounds like you're out camping or you're under the stars. Can I hear a couple of frogs or or, or locusts, cicadas?
0: <laughs> yeah, you can hear the frogs and the cicadas and... Um I'm not camping, unfortunately. It's just that for some reason, mobile phone reception inside my house is not good. Outside, it is. So, okay. <laughs> hence the sound effects.
1: <laughs> well, beautiful. Now we're on your we're on your porch under the moonlight. Lovely with the the crickets in the background. We'll talk. Well, Pat Cummins did a, a press conference a few days ago, didn't he? And we could hardly hear him because of the um, <laughs> because of the uh, cicadas. So maybe that's a thing. That's a new thing that you've you've stumbled across. So we'll go with that nice uh, background noise. Last night mate, a crazy finish, wasn't it? Crazy finish to the second T20 against Sri Lanka. I've got to be honest with you though. I mean, I thought we were we were coasting um to victory there. Uh again our sort of batting led us down through the the middle order. Um but they looked Buckley's to to uh, level us. Um did Sri Lanka needing a stack of runs with not many balls left.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of uh, T20 cricket. Oh, I was <laughs> funny because it's a game where what was the crowd 6,000 and I got the sense that um, mm. I was watching it I'm not sure how many others were but it it, it rewarded me in the end it was um, a really exciting finish um, and that moment when Steve Smith almost reeled in the ball and you know, he's sort of flying over the over mm. the sideline throws it back in and I think that just showed his mindset because he must have known that when he threw it back in he was next he was going to have no control of how he landed and yet he mm. did it anyway in a game that really didn't matter. The level of determination, it's um, impressive. It was sickening them watching, him do, mm. watching his head crash into the turf. But yeah, um, and they probably should have won Sri Lanka. There was a wide not called right near towards the end. Mm. That um, I, I probably myself live thought it was okay. It was just over the top of the line. But on the replay, it was clearly about an inch wide. So yeah. that call went against them. And if that had been the case, there wouldn't have been a need for a super over. Um, Sri Lanka would have won it in, in regular
5: time.
1: They needed, I think, was it about 48 runs off the last three overs or something crazy like that. Anyway, they needed 19 um, off the final over and and ended up tying and, and then through to the super over. On Steve Smith, you're right. I mean, it was spectacular, uh, and it was a bit sickening, the, the force with which his head hit the SCG turf. And if our listeners haven't seen it, you, know, you might want to go back and look at those. I don't like to call it a highlight, but it'll certainly be in the highlight reel. But you're right. He, um he put his body on the line to help save the match um unfortunately for him he didn't save that that six but it was it was quite acrobatic stuff so he will now miss the rest of the series
0: yeah he will and there's also going to be talk um about whether he should actually be in the t20 side. Mm. um i think it's been a mistake in both of these two games for him to have gone out when he did i think that He is valuable in the side for games where it's a difficult pitch and you need a 30 off 30. And that's what he did in the World Mm. Cup. It's kind of forgotten. But we beat Sri Lanka and South Africa in low-scoring games, and Smith did well in both of those. And had we lost either of those, we wouldn't have made it through to the semis. But Mm. when you've got a a scope for big hitters coming out there, then I don't know why he's coming in uh, above those big hitters. So Mm. I'd always want him in my squad for um, the T20 World Cup. But if it looks a belter, then I'd be... um, potentially favouring other players. Or if he's in the 11, then if it's looking that way, then slide down the order all the way down. I'm sure he doesn't want to do that. I'm mm. sure he's keen to prove that he can... Uh, he, he's a bigger hitter than people give him credit for, but compared to the absolute power hitters, um, there is a level above him.
1: And there's probably the case now that there, there, there are enough other T20 specialist batsmen, you know, um, that could probably uh, do the role and maybe do it better than Steve Smith, certainly with a higher strike rate. Um, and the, you know, the likes of Matty Wade too. I was I was listening to the Fox commentary last night, and um, Shane Warne, he was making a, a point quite strongly that um, the likes of Steve Smith had, had hogged quite a few deliveries. When you've got a, a big hitter like Matthew Wade batting below him, and Wade he only got to face four balls, but scored thirteen runs off those four. You know, as soon as he came in there, I think first ball was a boundary, and then it's a valid point that Warney makes. Exactly. And it's a good point because I've been so impressed with the way that Wade has
0: reinvented himself. He used to say he could only score in T20 cricket at the top of the order and that it was a mistake to put him in the, the middle order. Well, mm. he found a way. He won us the um, the semi final spectacularly in the World Cup. And again, last night, as you, as you said, he came and hit his first ball for four. I think he hit his um, third ball for six and then another four after that. So mm. he he should be definitely coming out. It's, it's crazy to have someone like him not out at the end, having only faced five or six balls. Mm.
1: Uh, another keeper, and uh, this, this player's stocks continue to rise, is Josh Inglis. He top-scored for us, uh, what was it, 48 off, I think, 32 um, deliveries. Again, very impressive.
0: He certainly is. And again, the fact that he, he's a top-order player, he bats at number three, He could he could certainly open. Um, that puts a little bit of extra pressure on the captain. Um, Finch got a, a reasonable score. He got 25, but it wasn't anything spectacular. And as I sort of said to you when we spoke the other day, that this squad is going to get some, some real pressure when Mitchell Marsh and David Warner come back into it. Um, the, will Will someone like Aaron Finch find his way uh, being forced out of the side? I, I think they'll be very, very reluctant to do it. But ultimately, if he's not in the top seven batters, then it's hard to justify his inclusion. And the other one um, mm. who went for an enormous price at the at the auction is someone that I've thought for a while they should have in the Australian side is, is Tim David. Um, and he's someone that Matthew Wade has actually said today that he thinks he will come into calculations for the World Cup, and so he should.
1: We'll talk more about Tim David in just a moment um, because you know, he's not a ha- household name, but... Um, he's done very, very well for himself. It's a rags to riches type story in, in the IPL. Just before we, we get to him, though, um, Josh Hazelwood, I mean, my goodness, he is just in outstanding form with the ball, isn't he? And, and last night in that uh, that super over, um, he, he limited them, I think, to, to about five, taking four wickets in, in total.
0: Yeah, it's almost unfair that he just... In, in hindsight, it seemed inevitable that he was going to do that. Uh, when when you see him up close, he is so impressive—like six foot six or something like that—and just um, so athletic. Um, he conceded only five, of which one of them was a bye. Um, so, and a wicket, yes, mm. and a wicket as well. Yeah, um, he is um, fast becoming the, one of the best T20 fast bowlers, which you know he's been at that level at Test match level for a long time. And so the fact that he's gone to almost $1.5 million at the IPL auction. is no surprise.
1: Well, let's talk about the, the IPL auction and, and just sort of summarise it for our listeners um, who might not be right across it. I think there were 43 Aussies up uh, for bidding um, across the two days, Saturday and Sunday. You'll have these figures, I think around $7 million, maybe more was uh, spent on Aussie uh, players for the IPL. Um, OK, winners and losers. Now, we talk about... Tim David and, you know, those that aren't rusted on cricket fans, no, he's not a Hazelwood, he's, he's not a Cummins, uh, he's not a Stark. Um, but he's a big hitter and he has commanded, of all the Australians available, he has commanded the highest price at $1.53 million. Tell us more about Tim David.
0: Well, um, he is a very exciting player. Uh, I would love to have had a camera on him during the auction because, no fewer than six franchises bid for him during the process. Hmm. He must have had a calculator out trying to work out the con- conversion from lakhs rupees to dollars the whole way through. <laughs> and it looked like it was going to stall at about a million. And then Mumbai Indians, who'd been sitting there quietly, suddenly came in and got involved and ended up winning it. So um, to, to think about his figures, I jokingly said on, the, on the, the show yesterday that he had a strike rate of 180.
7: Yeah. Um,
0: I was being tongue in cheek. His actual strike rate is 159. No one has a strike rate at that level. And anyone who approaches that strike rate, they average about 20. He averages 34. Mm. So his typical innings is about 34 off 21 balls or something like that. And he can belt the ball to all parts, not just um, uh, smacking it over cow corner. He can crack it to any di- in any direction. Uh, he's just been in the Pakistan Super League in the last um, couple of weeks. And you just look at some of the scores he's putting up. They're just incredible. Sometimes he's you know, scoring 70 off 28 and that sort of thing. So... I, I think that the fact that the IPL um, franchises, six of them showed interest, that's sort of showing the Australian selectors it's time to to get him in the Australian side. Apart from anything else, you cannot turn off the television when he's coming out to bat. He's the most um, exciting player. He's even more exciting than Glenn Maxwell, I would say.
1: Jeez. so a bit more about him. So Perth Scorchers, he was with them. Hobart Hurricanes as well, um, and currently playing in the in the Pakistan. T uh, Twenty Super League, where I think uh, I heard Ben Horn today um, on uh, on breakfast with the boys here on this station. I think he was saying his strike rate in the Pakistan Super League is around two hundred.
0: Yes, it's just uh, I was looking through his matches um, last night and just my you know jaw dropping further and further. Mm. Um, he was born in Singapore to Australian parents and has really kind of um, you know hasn't made a huge uh, mark on the Australian radar that he was. Kind of struggling to get into the Perth Scorchers uh, lineup um, several years ago because it's such a hot lineup, and then it's the Hobart Hurricanes who have sort of um, thrown him a thrown him a lifeline. But wherever he goes, whether it's Pakistan or whether it's across to the Caribbean, um, uh, the Caribbean Premier League, mm. um, he just you know you can't keep on doing what he's doing and call it a fluke. I mean, he's averaging, as I said, in, in the mid 30s, and at that strike rate, it's just um, it's just incredible. We talk about Matthew Wade coming in and. Um, Striking from the start. If if Australia had Tim David last night to come in um, with five overs to go, then yeah. who knows? We might have got another thirty or forty.
1: Well, I'm talking to Paul Dennett, uh, cricket unfiltered, uh, journal podcaster, um, broadcaster. He knows all about cricket. Now, just on it, I mean, his his reserve price for that auction was seventy five thousand. So he's achieved um, about one point four million above his reserve price. Uh, not bad at all. But it makes a compelling case. If if he's the highest earner in the IPL and there's some very good judges throwing their cash at him. You'd have to think he's a walk-up starter to come into the Aussie T20 team uh, for the upcoming World Cup. You think he'll be in it, yeah?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's a very hard side to get into. The selectors can say, well, we, you know, we won the World Cup. You, we can't, yeah. you can't say we're doing too bad a job. Um, I, I think it's actually going to come down to what he does in the IPL. Um, if he has a dominant performance in there, then I think there's no doubt that he'll come into it. But Mm. um, just because you've been paid these big bucks doesn't mean you're going to get a start because the IPL, they're only allowed to have four overseas players in the 11 at any given time. And Mm. sometimes you can be a very good player, but because you've got um, opposition players, overseas players that are doing better, you find yourself on the bench. So it is the hardest place to succeed. Um, I think if he succeeds in the IPL, then that there'd be just no reason not to include him in the Australian side.
1: All right. So the big winners then in the IPL auction, then obviously uh, little known, Tim David, but now I guess a lot more known. Um, a winner, other winners, David Warner, although his price was slashed, still earning a million or more. Uh, who are the other winners and, and who are the, the losers?
0: Well, we mentioned Josh Hazelwood. Um, he, he's a winner. Pat Cummins, like Warner, lost... Um, Lost some money, but still, I think that the three million plus that he got last time was probably a bit over the top. So, one point three five million is pretty good. Mitchell Marsh one point two, Daniel Sands four hundred and eighty four thousand odd. Andy Sean Abbott, yeah, Sean Abbott four hundred and forty six thousand. Matthew Wade four hundred and forty six thousand, pretty impressive as well. Um, Jason Berendorf uh, managed to get a contract one hundred and forty thousand. So the the losers, obviously, Steve Smith didn't get picked up. Adam Zampa. Um didn't get picked up, didn't um which which is surprising, but I yes. think that that's the one thing that you know, the they have to be very strategic with the way that they put their side. What together. was his
1: reserve, do you know, Paul? Zampers? Yeah, his
0: reserve was um three hundred and seventy two Aussie. Yeah. Um and I think that some of them look at it and think, right, um we can only use our overseas spending money very smart. We need mm. what we don't have at home. And the one thing that Indian doesn't India does not lack for mm. is quality spinners. So yeah. what they want are real tall, quick bowlers um, that, you know, you tend to get the really tall bowlers from outside of India, some of the really, really big hitters. But um, poor old Zampa is up against them at their absolute strength. So I still think that, um, you know, I, I still think that he uh, deserves to be picked up. But it also comes down to what the teams need. So, yeah, he was um, unfortunate. And some of the other, others... Um, Manus Labashain, uh didn't, didn't get picked up. I think that's um, probably a mistake as well. Hayden Kerr, the youngster from um, Sydney Sixers yeah. who'd, uh done so well, is only in there for thirty eight thousand. I thought maybe some some side would um snap mm. him up, but no. Ben McDermott as well. There's a whole list of them that um mm. you know. The, the saddest thing is that some several of them didn't even um get called up. That's the way that it works out. That teams kind of give an indicator of who they're actually interested in bidding for, and if you're not in that list. You don't even have the ignominy of being um passed in. You don't even actually get onto the um yes. onto the bench in the first place. So there's yeah. loads of those that um put their names down and, and, and never got a mention. But it is a it is a brutal process because the auctioneer is just doing it as um, you know, routine and suddenly a player Holly's hopes and dreams come up. Anyone interested? No, okay, next one. Thanks. Yeah. Um yeah. and it's um it's, it's, quite,
1: it's quite something to behold. Yeah. All right, Paul, I appreciate your time, mate. I'll, I'll let you, you know, lay back in your hammock there on your, your, your outdoor <laughs> deck and uh, listen to those, those frogs and crickets. So I appreciate your time on higher ground. Good on, you, Chris. Thank you. Great stuff. There is Paul Dennett, and you can catch more of Paul and the crew um, on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. This is Higher Ground. Plenty more after the break. I hope you're having a a lovely Valentine's Day evening, wherever you are, whatever you might be doing. Uh, To all our regular listeners, um, I hope you're okay. I hope you're well. Now, we spoke to Lockie McCurdy earlier on in the program, and I did say we'd stay across the the women's aerials at the Beijing Winter Olympics. Um, Laura Peel and Danielle Scott um, made it through to the final. However... Um, they need to com- compete to go through to the super final. Only the top six go through. After jump one, Danielle Scott was uh, ranked ninth and Laura Peel was ranked 12th. Danielle Scott's just had her jump, um, and I believe she's from up around uh, Bluey's Beach, where I go often for holidays up there on the mid, mid- North Coast, just near next to Boomerang Beach. Her, her family and friends were all cheering her on. Um, Channel 7 crossed to her pictures of them. Unfortunately, she failed to land it. Um, her head hit the snow quite hard. She bounced straight back up. Um, but that ruled her out. So she hasn't gone through to the super final Laura Peel, um, a real medal fancy. And this is an event too, that we, we have won before it's, it's, it's our pet event really, isn't it for the women bloody dangerous though. Uh, I'd hate to, to try it myself. You, You can't see the, the, the landing ramp. You're doing twists and turns. Um, yeah, we, we won gold, didn't we? At Salt Lake City in 2002. And then gold again, uh, Lydia Lasler in Vancouver 2010. But Laura Peel, uh, she's through. Um, she scraped into the super final. So hopes are still alive, uh, not just for a medal. Um, but maybe maybe even the precious kind of metal. So um, we will do our best to keep you across that. So well done to Laura Peel and uh, commiserations to Danielle Scott. Stick around. Keep those text messages coming through. Uh, 0457 736 736. Bondi Jack, I've got another one from you. I will read that uh, concerning uh, Jordan Rapner, uh and his concurrent suspensions. So uh, we'll talk more about that after the break. You bet it is. I'll be here for another hour as well, keeping you company on uh, Valentine's Day evening. Hope you're well. Um, get in touch if you are awake. You might be a, a shift worker, night shift. You might just be a night owl. Um, you might be um, just unable to sleep. I don't know. I don't know. But thanks for tuning in either way. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. So just repeating that, uh, Laura Peel is through to the super final of the uh, the aerials. Um, the very dangerous aerials at the Winter Olympics, so we will uh, keep you uh, across that if we if we can. I'm sure we can as well. Um, now, rugby league wise, I did say I'd touch on this uh, again uh, before I do. On Steve Smith, um, we know he's now ruled out for the t twenty five match series after playing in the first two. Uh, he got concussion last night, and you have probably all seen it at least on highlights reels or, or YouTube, you know on snippets online or on the news. Uh, it looked really nasty. Um, he took a big, big fall. Uh, brave, wasn't it? Brave from Steve Smith. Uh, his health aside, uh, he'll be out for the rest of the T20 series. Um, it, it, it begs the question, though, is Steve Smith, um, is he the man to hold on to his spot in the Australian T20 team going forward? And you know what? Probably not. Probably not. And there were calls last night um, when we really needed some runs at the back end of our innings, and I, I was watching the, the match Um on Fox Sports, Shane Warne was you know, bemoaning the fact that Matthew Wade, who's a you know, a real big hitter, only got to face four balls, you know, and that that sort of middle order was was soaked up by the likes of Steve Smith and a number of deliveries soaked up by him, and and he's probably only scoring at a run a run a ball on average, you know, uh, which is great, which is wonderful that type of temperament in Test cricket, but is he is he good enough to remain in our top eleven? Or rather, is he good enough to remain in our top six batsmen for a T20 international side? And I think the answer is probably maybe no. Um, and a lot of people I speak to are of the same same opinion. And Paul Dennett we heard from just earlier as well. Um, so, yeah, and I've got a text here from uh, Steve. He says, look, uh, love Steve Smith, but he's not a T20 player. Um, love to see IPL auction in dollars. It's hard to work out India money. Uh, Steve from Patster. Well, yeah, well, the currency conversion. Um, I yeah, don't worry about that. I mean, normally it's the reports you read are all converted anyway. Well, certainly the, the reports I've been reading, they're, they're generally in Aussie dollars. But um, so going forward, Steve Smith, they won't be adding anyone into the team for the rest of this series. Um, but now, see, Warney was was saying, you know, elevate Matthew Wade. Well, that will now happen anyway, as fate would have it. You'd think anyway, given that Steve Smith will no longer uh be there. So yeah, look back on to um, rugby league. We'll, we'll hear from um, Nathan Cleary. Actually, we'll talk a bit of Penrith Panthers in a moment as well. I just wanted to go back on um, Jordan Rapiner and that situation. Um, and Bondi Jack has, has sent me uh, another text. He says, "Chrissy," and I was saying earlier that I, I just can't believe that a bloke that has already been given a one-match suspension by the governing body, by the NRL, for off-field indiscretions, caught drink driving in September, Um, they rubbed him out for one game as, I guess, a a slap on the wrist sort of punishment. So he's already out for one game, and then, as we know now, as a result of his shoulder charge, a couple of shoulder charges, but I think it was just the one that he he was cited for, he will face a two-match suspension and he'll be out for two games. So you would have thought given that he's already out for one, he's been hit with a one game ban and then he's been hit for a two game ban, I would have thought he'd be have to serve three match ban. I would have thought that seems to me to be quite logical. But those two suspensions are to be served concurrently, meaning he will only serve a two match ban. So I was saying I just think it's a bit weird, isn't it? I don't know how that works. If if he's giving a, a two match ban for a shoulder charge, surely that's you can't play in two matches which you were eligible to play in. Okay, well he wasn't eligible to play in round one, so I just don't get how it can be served concurrently. Anyway, I might have my head in the clouds. I might be missing the point altogether, and I don't care if it's it's, it's Billy Bloggs, whoever it is. I don't care what club it is either. I think I think they've probably got it wrong. Um. But anyway, uh, Bondi Jack says, Chrissy, only a system full of 200 overpaid imbecilic suits costing $192 million a year, um, who know Fanny Adams about rugby league, uh, could allow Rarpiner to serve a week concurrently like our socialist law courts do. Peter Vlandes must prune the bloated bureaucracy further and place rugby league men in jobs. From Bondi Jack. Uh, well he's got a journalistic background. Yeah. Uh, Bondi. He's a former journalist. so did you um miss his words there. No, he's good. He's a wordsmith. Yep. He's a wordsmith. I left one of the words out there.
2: Yeah, you did. That's okay.
1: Not because I couldn't say it or no. I don't know what it what it means. I don't know what it means. Oh, yes. I, yeah.
2: I'm
1: not sure I don't want to be um no.
2: no. Best played safe.
1: Played safe. Played safe, yes. So good that's idea. what that's what we're doing. <laughs> Are you keeping an eye on this aerial medal, oh, aerial final yep, yep. or not? It's good. Are we? Th- oh, geez, Ooh, that wasn't that good. Wasn't good? <laughs> no. Oh, she's bounced all over the track. That was bad. It's not one of our girls. No. I hope. So. See those pine needles that they've, they've yep. all thrown on the ice there? Mm. You might have seen was someone cutting all the pine needles up and yep. throwing them all over the ramp. Yes. And you're wondering why. Why? I'll tell you why. Please tell me. It's to give the girls um, some perspective. And so they can actually see, because it's just a white, you know, total. Yep. you've got the, the pine needles, you know, you know when the floor is rising for your land, et cetera. Mm. That's what yeah. The, um
8: <laughs> this Yeah, good, they haven't –
1: Yeah, you know, forgot to bring the broom out and clean the place up. <laughs> they, those pine needles have been intentionally placed at the foot of the ramp there. My God, they're brave, these athletes, I aren't they? These skiers, be, yeah. men and women, but these women, oh, she's face-planted. <laughs> She's almost driven a hole through the snow. I know. With a head.
2: I could never do burrowed. something like that, Chris. Never. Couldn't do it.
1: Look at it, Head fur. Oh, jeez. Oh. This is on the replay on Channel 7. It's not one of our girls, is it?
2: I don't believe so. We've got
1: the volume down here. We do. Um, no, it's no, not. No, it's not. No, you can. No, it's a Chinese girl. She's okay. She's smiling. Yes. She's gone face first. Mm-hmm. A triple pike through the air and uh, pretty much burrowed with a helmet into the snow. Not good. She's okay. Yeah. Righto. Here we are. Final two and Laura Peel. So she's currently third. Yes. If I'm reading this correctly. That looks like it. Is this the super final that she gets another jump?
2: That's a very good question. I think she does. Yeah.
1: I think she does. I'd have to turn the volume up and listen to it. but uh, We We can't. No, we can't do that. Um. Okay. <laughs> what else we got to go here now? Uh, Penrith Panthers. Penrith Correct. Panthers. Mm. Uh, can they go back to back? Uh, well, yes, they can. Will they? Don't know. Long term, though. Um. How is their roster going to look? I read an article by Dean Ritchie today in the Daily Telegraph, and it was a good article. It sort of painted the picture very, very well. The plus that Penrith have that most other clubs don't have um, is they have a, an exceptional breeding ground, a sizable breeding ground, and uh, yeah, really good pathways program. So, yeah, they're picking fruit off the tree um, yes. at, at will.
2: <laughs> they, they are.
1: What are you laughing at there? You're looking up at the Olympics. a no? Celebr-
2: Big celebration, wasn't it? It was. Yeah.
1: It was. But um, – the thing about being successful is that they other the others come picking. The others come picking, and uh, you can't afford to keep them all under the cap. So we know that in coming years, they're going to be losing quite a few. Um, Billy Army Kickout, he's going, joining the Bulldogs in 2023. Appy Coruscant, he's going. He's joining, uh, where's he off to? West Tigers, isn't he? I think in, um, yeah, he is. In 2023 as well, and this year they've already been trimmed a number of a number of players, which we know, the likes of Matt Burton, Tavita Pangai Junior, Brent Naden, Paul Momoroski, um, and those first few names I rattled off—they're all going to or gone to the Bulldogs. Um, Paul Momoroski—he returns to the Roosters. Kurt Capewell—he's gone to the Broncos. Um, and Tyrone May, well, he's gone. Where did he go? To Catalan, didn't he, I think? Y- yeah, I think Yes, he did. I think so. I think he did. Um, and as I said, Coruscant going to West Tigers next year, out going to Canterbury next year. So, you know, this once almighty team that was assembled and made the grand final in 2020 and then went on to win the grand final last year, well, the team suddenly is starting to look quite different. Quite different, indeed. So the challenge for Penny Panthers is to retain as many blue chip players as they can, and then bring through the the next products on the, I guess, the conveyor belt of talent out there at the foot of the mountains. And we've spoken about this before. They have got lots to choose from. It's it's a really good model that other clubs um, are trying to replicate. So, but. Of the current crop of players, their priority list include Liam Martin, Stephen Crichton and Brian Toto. They're the three they need to nail down because they will then go on the open market, I believe, at the end of this year, after November. And other clubs will certainly come um, for them. Brian Toto, not just a wonderful player and state of origin star, but a, a very marketable player too. Lovable character, Stephen Crichton. He scored the match-winning try, didn't he, Crichton, in the the grand final or the one that, you know, the final nail, I, I think, wasn't it? That was that um, the intercept. Uh, and Liam Martin, a really tough, good back rower. So, you know, they are their priority list. And uh, Dean Ritchie is saying that, you know, the fight is now on for Penrith to re- retain those three players. That's who they are, are trying to uh, retain now. Or uh, I believe Nathan Cleary, and I haven't heard, um, he has spoken, though. He is able to, they think, in round one this year, which is quite remarkable in itself. Given the shoulder surgery that he's had, I, I didn't think he'd be back in time for the opening round. He has spoken, though, uh, and things are looking pretty rosy for him.
9: Uh, hopefully. Yeah, that's the plan at the moment. Um, it's it's going pretty well, but still just got to tick off uh, the, the last aspect, which is the full contact. So pretty happy with it at the moment. You see, the
1: thing that's been the the cornerstone of the Panthers team over the past couple of years is has been their defense. It's just been by far better than every other club. And I forget what they were averaging a game. What was it, about 10 points a game? Well, it might have been good. lower yeah. than that. Yeah. Was it 11 or 9? Mm. Um, but, you know, and come the business end of the season, uh, Parramatta went very close to beating them, but mm. um, but couldn't. But just defensively, they've just been so, so good, haven't they? But and if they keep that in, in order again, and I'm sure they will, you just know that Penrith are going to be there at the business end of the season. Um,
2: I think they're, they're definitely going to be one of the teams up there once again. I think the Roosters as well, obviously the Storm. But, well, everyone's
1: uh, saying the yeah, Roosters, yeah, and that yeah. uh, that's, you should declare your colours yes, here. I, you yeah. are a Chooks fan.
2: Yeah. be interesting to see how they go after the injuries of last year.
1: Yeah. So uh, if we talk about big improvers and, and, and those that, that aren't going to, go as well as last year Mm. i heard joel and the boys um talking this afternoon actually on the the run home yep not dry the run home home. about if you were to pick and joel was saying look year on year excuse me history will sort of tell you that about three there'll be three changes to the top eight from the previous year yeah so then they were thinking right oh so let's assume say there's going to be three changes to last year's top eight, and Mm. you'll be busily now getting the top eight up from last year.
2: Correct, yes. Good man,
1: good man, good man. So what three teams would fall out of the eight Mm. if this sort of trend continues, three changes? What three would come out and what three would go in? So when you get your top eight from last year, you let our listeners know.
2: Yeah, what the top eight was. So it was Storm, Mm. Penrith, (coughs) Souths, Manly, uh, roosters, eels, knights, and titans. Okay, I can see. I think the knights slip out.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll 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 take the knights out. I'll take the titans out.
2: Yep. Who do you put in?
1: No, we're, we're trying to do three.
2: Who out of the storm panthers, souths, manly, or the roosters or the eels miss out?
1: Oh, gee, I hate <laughs> yeah. to do it. Um, I, I think manly.
2: Yeah, I think Souths may slip a bit as well. I think
1: South will slip, but I think they'll still, they'll still make it mm. in the top eight. Mm. Um, and Manly, it's my local club. I don't want to see them miss the eight. But Pro-
2: problem with Manly is their depth always oh, has been yeah, for a while. I
1: know. Yeah, you, let's say Touchwood does a you know, major injury to Tommy, and mm. you can almost rule a, a line through their season. Mm. Correct. What other club would you say that about? Not many. Not many. Not many. No, none. So who comes in, though? One player. Yeah. Um, Okay, so... so okay. <laughs> who comes in? Right. Well, the big improvers. Who are going to be the big improvers? So let's just go through our bottom eight from last year. And we know West Tigers don't make the finals. That's not in their DNA. <laughs> uh,
2: Sharks? Raiders? Yeah, I'm putting the Sharks in. Raiders?
1: Your question mark, yeah. Dragons? Yeah, well... Um, yeah, I reckon I reckon you do. Really? Wouldn't I be- don't know.
2: Keep going. Warriors. Uh, keep going. West
1: Tigers. Keep going. Broncos. C'est possible.
2: Yeah. <laughs> keep going. Cowboys. No. And the Bulldogs. Who I think will be improvers. I know,
1: yeah. I'm 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 gonna put dogs in. Yeah. I'm putting All dogs right.
2: in. We're recording. I'm this. putting sharks in. Yep, me too. I'm
1: putting dogs in, I'm putting sharks in. I'm putting Raiders in okay, because they're a finals club, the Raiders, yep. right? That's the benchmark for them. You expect them to be there. Sharks, Dogs, Raiders all make the eight. Mm. There you go. Okay. The so three have to come out. Yep. Knights. Yep. Titans. Yep. And bracket South Manly.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: So it's not,
2: a, uh, not bad, if that is what does happen.
1: Yeah, moment. no, I mean, handy we
2: can replay this in September. Handy
1: Barroom chat. Exactly. At about sixteen past eleven mm. on a Valentine's Day been. night in Sydney.
2: I'm sure that's what's being discussed all around Sydney at the moment.
1: Maybe. Uh, I Laura Peel, this isn't good news, um, ladies and gents, listening to higher ground, so uh, she can't nail didn't nail the final jump. She finished with a score of 78.56. Not a good, not good, unfortunately. So won't be medal for no. uh, for Australia tonight, unfortunately there. But well done to uh, Laura Peel, also to um, Danielle Scott uh, for making it that far in the aerials. Uh, what else have we got? See, Tess Cody, she, uh, when you say are there are going to be any more medals coming our way, well, I think there will be. And she's bidding to become the first Aussie to win two medals at the same Winter Olympics, so... Uh, she's qualified for the final of the women's snowboard big air, not big hair, big air. Yeah, not Willie Mason. <laughs> no, the big air.
2: It's a good old name.
1: Some other players with the big air, the big hair. Um,
2: Matt King at one point. Oh,
1: yeah. Matty King. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she took bronze, didn't she, in the in the snowboard slope style last week, and she was seventh uh, this afternoon in qualifying for the final of the uh, the snow snowboard big air.
2: Big air. I love that name.
1: I like it too. Thank you. I like it too. Um, so you'll be home about midnightish on Valentine's yep. Day night. Uh, we won't go there. No. We won't no. go there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you're listening to Higher Ground. <laughs> Hope you're having a nice evening. Alrighty, time for the rewind on higher ground where we look back at some of the uh, the big stories across the station from today and also across the weekend. We're going to start with breakfast and on today's first edition of Vossi and Brandy, uh, they caught up with Daily Telegraph cricket writer Ben Horn to discuss Will Pekoski's latest concussion and the IPL player auction. <laughs>
4: Now, in all seriousness, will Pekovsky uh brandy another concussion over the weekend if our listeners aren't aware if they would have caught up with it with the Sunday Telegraph yesterday, so the latest concussion you have the full detail is not with a cricket ball it, like when I heard it was. Pre the start of play, you, you pictured, well, it's in the nets. He's copped, a, he's copped a high one. And then he's tried to go out in the field. And after three balls, he's come off and said, I'm no good. Mm. It's got nothing to do with cricket ball striking the head. No, no, it's a volleyball. So a volleyball. he was he was warming up. He was
10: And as they do, you see the players warming up. And some sometimes they've got a footy and they're throwing a footy around, kicking a footy, um, which has caused some problems, hasn't it? Uh, balls left on the ground, players yep. tripping over them. Uh, but this was a volleyball that he actually tried to kick, kicked it, and it hit him in the head. So it's bizarre. It, yeah. He went out in the field and only lasted, um, didn't last the first over and left the field. But, now, this was his return first-class yeah. game, and that's this first first-class game since October when he was concussed. So it's gone concussion, concussion, concussion. He's played very little cricket. And when you read about the... Uh, his history of concussions. I, I don't think there's this potentially a more unluckier
4: player. But this could be it. Yeah, well, it could be. I, I, you know, that's. We we don't know that, but it could be. Ben Horn, the newcorp uh, News Corp cricket writer, is on the line with more on the story. Ben, has Brandy got it right? The the whole self inflicted wound that has led to the latest concussion.
11: Yeah. G'day, guys. Um, yeah. No, absolutely right. He's, um, you know, warming up. Kicking a volleyball and kicked it into his own face. So I mean, you can imagine what's what's the hardest you could do that, really. I mean, it's it, it's it's not much of a not much of a knock, really. And uh, unfortunately, it follows a bit of a pattern for you know bizarre ways that he has been concussed. Because um, you know, in other instances, he's he's had a concussion while fielding. He's had a concussion running between the wickets where he kind of jammed the bat into the into the ground and, and fell over. So they're not. It's, it's not as simple as getting hit on the helmet with a, with a bouncer. Um, but uh, as you said, that's 11 concussions now. And, um, you know, some very serious conversations are going to have to happen now about his future.
10: And, and Ben, I, I guess, you know, we're, we're reading about Will Pekosfi, but, but not many of us have seen him play. Uh, not many have had the mm. chance to see him. But like how, how much of a talent is he? And, and would he have been a walk-up start? I, I know he played the test uh, against India last summer. Um, I know yeah. he was involved in that series but uh, it, you know and no one's seen much of him at all but he has got a a huge rap on him.
11: Yeah yeah exactly Brandy and that's the um, that's why this story I guess is um, you know has taken on such significance aside from obviously you know his health and well-being is the fact that he is probably the most promising batsman in the country it's just we haven't uh, seen him have the opportunities that he otherwise would have but um, look if he'd had a full pre-season full start of the Sheffield Shield season you know I think you could safely say he probably would have been opening the batting with uh, David Warner in the first test and uh, you know this is now going on about four years that he would have been in the test team if not for either concussion issues or uh, he's had mental health issues along the way as well so it's it's a very uh, sad story Um and the fact he's only played one test match, you know, you, you wonder whether that will be it uh, for Will Pukowski. But certainly on batting talent, um, if he'd had uh, the cricket that, um, you know, a healthy person would have had, he, he yeah he would be quite well established in this team at the moment, you'd imagine.
4: Now, Ben, the IPL auction over the weekend and continuing overnight, um, we, we thought with the addition of new teams that perhaps it was going to be even... You know, a, a bigger pot of gold for our cricketers, but but not so. I mean, some of them still getting very well looked after, but it, they have had pay cuts. Mm.
11: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, um,
4: I think part of it might be uh,
11: Australia's tour to Pakistan, which uh, goes right through to the end of March, and for some of them uh, will extend into the start of April. So teams may have looked at that and and thought either oh, you know Australian players could miss a few games for us here. Um, the schedule hasn't been released yet, but they think the IPL will start on. March twenty-seven, so that means um, you know those Australian players uh, who will be over in Pakistan may well miss you know the first one, three, two, three, four games for their franchises. But um, yeah, so it, it has been a little bit of a low-key auction compared to what the build-up suggested. But um, it took off about ten thirty last night when uh, Tim David from the uh, Hobart Hurricanes, who you know not many people uh, except you know, cricket followers would really have heard of. And uh, Tim David overtook Josh Hazelwood, Pat Cummins, David Warner, Mitchell Marsh, and he's the highest paid Australian for the, for the auction, $1.5 That's
10: incredible, uh, isn't it? it? it, like, it, it, it's, it is, it's, it's almost movie a stuff. rags-to-riches story, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Uh, by the way, we yeah, haven't mentioned... Never played, a, never played a Sheffield Shield game.
11: Or a know, Marsh... Essentially.
4: Ben, yeah. Mar- Brandy asks, has he played a Marsh Cup game, most importantly, because Brandy's <laughs> really... Israeli...
11: You don't big know family. either. No, we're not <laughs> sure
10: about that one. But- I think
11: he's played... I only know this because I looked it up last night, but mm. he, he's played 16 games, for mostly for Western Australia. But, um, yeah, he's got an incredible story. He's a Singapore international. He's born in Singapore. Uh, his dad played for Singapore as well. But he is, he is Australian. He's eligible to play for Australia. And, um, you know, who knows? If he has a big IPL on that kind of money... Um, You know he may well come into contention for Australia.
4: There you go, 22 after seven. And we haven't mentioned Daniel Sams as well. It's not bad coin. He's not in the million mark, but he got a a contract worth $482,000 overnight for uh, Daniel Sams, again, Mm. in the IPL. Ben, uh, we'll chat many times throughout the year. Thank you for coming on the program this morning. Yeah, good to hear you back again, guys. Thanks for that.
1: Always good to hear from Ben. And our best wishes go out to Will as well after um, what happened at the weekend. Welcome back to The Rewind on Higher Ground. Yesterday afternoon on Sports Central, I was thrilled to catch up with Jackie Naricott after her silver medal over the weekend. Hey, Jackie, thanks very much for joining us. And on behalf of of Australia, uh, well done. You You must just feel so, so proud of your efforts.
9: Thanks. Yeah, I am absolutely stoked. I haven't stopped smiling since.
1: I bet you haven't. You were saying um, before your your final sort of slide there, or after your your final slide, um, you'd never felt more relaxed. Just just take us through that, because after after day one, your first two runs, you were you were in first place. Then your third run, I'm right in saying you you, you set a track record. Um, and you were eventually pipped to 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 take the silver medal, but you said you were very very relaxed going into your final run. I don't know how anyone doing that sport can be relaxed jackie
9: It took a lot of work over the last couple of years just to try and stay stay calm and yeah my my track record lasted all of about a minute yeah. cause the, <laughs> the German girl had who came down straight after me absolutely smashed it um which is fine i I got to hold it for for a little bit.
1: Um, I uh, yeah it's just I say um scary and, and skeleton and it and the speed you go so for our listeners that that you know, may not have seen it, but i'm I'm pretty sure all of you all our listeners have are right across it now because it's it's the big story this morning, Jackie rest assured of that is your silver medal um and an historic day for for our country at the Winter Olympics, but no brakes, no steering wheel um what is it, 1.6? What? And, and Mark has sent me a text here, a question for you, Jackie. What sort of speeds, what are the top speeds you get up to?
9: So here in Beijing, I think the fastest girl went about 120, hey, 128 kilometres an hour. Wow. Um, the boys hit 130. Um, but the fastest speed we will hit will be down Whistler in, in Canada, which is, about, which is over 140.
1: Jeez. Do you get scared or is it well past that stage?
9: Uh, for the most part, where it's it's all under control and they, the nerves kick in if you're not quite prepared on the tracks that you know are going to bite. Mm. But for the most part, yeah, the scare doesn't really come into it anymore.
1: So as Chookman has asked me here, have you broken any bones from, from skeleton? No.
9: Um, concussion is my worst injury and then plenty, plenty of bruises.
1: I... Anything can go wrong, can't it? And and it's it's down to the, the finest um, minuscule detail um, holding your line. And, and I'm just learning this as on the run, watching watching last night and and yesterday as well. Um, how do you maximise your speed? What separates you from other competitors in getting that top speed? I guess obviously, for from someone like me outside of the sport, you've got to reduce any friction, even to the point of of your chin or your, your helmet. Um, touching the ice.
9: Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to first of all equipment and getting the the right setup so that it's it's efficient and it'll run. um But then it's about steering the least amount you possibly can to keep the sled online and working with track.
8: Yeah.
1: So your background, Jackie, your uh, athletics background. Um, how on earth did you get involved in skeleton? Did you just wake up one morning and think, you know what? I want to slide down ice at about 150k an hour. I want to give the track and field a miss.
9: Um, I kind of figured out that I wasn't going to be an Olympian in, in track and field, which is fine, and mm-hmm. then tried, kept looking for any other way. And having Uncle Paul be a bobsledder, that kind of was always in the back of my head. Right place at the right time to try bobsled. And then right, the curiosity kind of got the better of me after meeting our skeleton coaches to try skeleton. And two runs from halfway down track in the US, and I was hooked.
1: You were hooked, hey. So you, your uncle, tell us more about that. So he has um, both summer and winter Olympics. He's competed at.
9: Yeah, he was the first Aussie to do both.
1: Wow. Well, that okay. So now I'm now I'm getting a clearer picture of how you get steered into this. Uh, what some might say a, a crazy pastime or discipline. You're obviously you know from an athletics background. Um, do you, you must do a lot of core body strength in preparation, do you?
9: Yeah, a lot of it is uh, sprinting and a lot of it is um, power uh, stuff in the gym. So like clean squats, deadlifts, that kind of stuff. And then um, lots of core, which also helps with my neck strength to keep my head off the ice. What
1: did you think when they put the medal around your neck? I mean, this is your second Olympics, am I right? You, you must have just been pinching yourself, were you?
9: 100%. From the second I crossed that line and saw saw the the number one meaning that, that I'd clinched silver, it was an absolute whirlwind. Um and just it's still surreal to be honest.
1: Family and friends have been reaching out no doubt um on social media and 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 text. I bet you your phone's probably gone into meltdown.
9: Yeah, I actually deleted all of social media in the days leading in just because i didn't want to deal with the craziness um and yeah. having just put facebook messenger back on my phone and it seems to just not be working <laughs> there's too many messages there
1: <laughs> well that's I, that might explain it because i was trying to find your twitter handle because i was just going to promote the fact that you're on here and i couldn't find your your twitter handle so maybe that's why um you've just been solely focused on doing um what you've done well it's just an amazing effort all around it really is uh from from you and from the whole team so We've got four medals now and, and, and maybe some more to come with a week um, remaining in, in Beijing. Um, so where to now for you? Do you, you have a bit of a break or wh- when do you start gearing up for your next event? And, and what is that?
9: So our season is completely finished now. The uh, next plan I'm getting on is to, go, is to come home to, to Brazil for the first time in two years get some sun and sand and see friends and family I haven't seen for forever. Yeah. And then we will let this sink in and figure out what next steps are because our next race won't be until November at the earliest.
1: Oh, put your feet up. Put your feet up. Lay on the beach. So, um, Brizzy Girl, you, you must spend a lot of t- time overseas though, right?
9: Yeah. So, um, before I moved to the UK, we I would leave in October. I like get home in kind of the, the end of March. But since COVID I haven't been home since October twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah. I bet it's it's you're looking forward to that. Yeah. Chill out. Chill out. Enjoy yourself, um, and get ready to go again. And and who knows, um you'll be able to go again, won't you? Another Olympic, surely. You're only young.
9: We will see. See how the how the brain and the body pull up.
1: But you wanna go again? Or you had enough.
9: It's the I hadn't really thought about it. It The same (laughs) race world champs next year are the big pull. Yeah. And then we'll we'll take it year by year.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, hey, well done again. Congratulations. Uh, I know you're thrilled and um, almost overwhelmed, I guess, but uh, an historic day for us and a silver medal. Thanks for joining us on SEN, Jackie. Congratulations. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a real pleasure it was to get the chance to speak to, uh, to Jackie yesterday so soon after uh, winning that medal in the skeleton, uh, a silver. And she, uh, as, you, as you heard, very, very proud, um, very modest as well, though, isn't she? Uh, I really enjoyed that chat. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And to finish the night, Jason Matthews and Scott Sattler on Sports Day uh, caught up to review the Super Bowl 56 with SEN's very own Jared Waitley, who called it play-by-play and called it so, so well.
5: If the Bengals can't get the last yard, the Rams will win the Super Bowl. 43 seconds left. Joe Burrow. Four- one. He stands in center field and center stage. Burrow takes the snap. He sacks. Set it! yeah! Yeah! It's over.
8: The Rams <laughs> will win it. Uh, that was the end of the Super Bowl, as called by Jared Waitley uh, on SEN today. Jared's joining us now live from LA. Uh, after uh, one, Jared, have you come down? from that almighty <laughs> high of calling the Super Bowl in that amazing stadium.
12: Jason, Scott, uh, it was an extraordinary experience, to be honest. It's, it's the most heightened sporting experience I've been part of, either as a, a fan or a broadcaster. So it'll take a little while to decompress, and it's certainly something that I will treasure on a whole number of fronts. Is we see the Rams win in Los Angeles. Um, it's a thrilling game, which takes us into the final minute and the stadium, I, I can't. Uh, it's hard to do it justice. I've never seen anything like it, and that's because there's never been a sports stadium like it. There's, no one's ever spent five billion dollars putting something together before. And as a as a theatre for sport, and more broadly than that, I, I don't have any hesitation declaring it as the as the best stadium on the planet.
13: Well, now, Jared, I, I got to say, uh, both Jason and I. We listened to the pre-game before your wonderful call with both you and Benny Graham, Australian, who played in the last Super Bowl. And I thought you set the scene beautifully. I had goosebumps listening to Mm. the atmosphere. And I thought you (laughs) you really uh, laid a platform for people who aren't regular NFL listeners uh, to listen and uh, let you set the the scene was amazing. And to talk about SoFi Stadium where the, the Super Bowl was played, the home of the LA Rams, it was interesting when you said that on the street level, where you were calling the game from. That was actually the sixth level. Is that correct?
12: Yes, yes. So everything from there is is dug down into the ground. So it creates this incredible amphitheater, really. I think you come in on level six and look down into the field and then the seating bowl rises. There are nine levels in total. Jeez. Uh, it, it's a 70,000-seat stadium. Uh, and that piece of architecture, so the piece of architecture is amazing. There's a, a translucent canopy which covers not only the whole stadium but the plaza outside, and it, it's set at the mouth of a man-made lake. And then add in the infinity screen, so it 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 hangs from the roof and runs the circumference of the playing field, and that is that's the best technology I've ever seen. Um, glorious screen, incredible sound. Which you don't expect. You don't expect the halftime concert in a stadium to sound great. We've all been to concerts in stadiums, mm. and the sound sort of reverberates around, and you get feedback here and there. This was pure. So, and the you know it's the it's a heightened atmosphere of the Super Bowl with the local fans as well. So it had everything going for it, and. Yeah, the the Super Bowl is the biggest annual sporting event on the planet. It's the motivation for our SEN network to take our audiences to that. And I don't think it's ever been bigger than it was tonight.
13: Yeah, well, home of the LA Rams, like we're saying. And one of their superstars who scored the first touchdown, uh, off Stafford was Odell Beckham Jr. When he went down with with a knee injury, never to return, did the mood in SoFi Stadium just all all of a sudden deflate? It
12: did to a degree. It certainly changed the dynamic of the game. And then uh, the Bengals were well represented in the stands. They were they were overmatched early. Is the, the double threat of Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup was always going to be a strength of the Rams. And that's how it was. So uh, my memory is OBJ had two receptions for 57 yards, including the first touchdown of the game. And then Cooper Cup with the second touchdown. So from there it it took away one of their key weapons, and Stafford couldn't find Cup very much mm. through the middle stages of the game when they they really did lose momentum. they they lost the handle on the game, and to the Bengals credit, that's when they were able to do their most damage. But think about the start of that, so it'll take a little while to sort of fully absorb. But the start of the third quarter, so you have a half hour break, you have the, the nod to West Coast's rap. They reset the field in a hell of a hurry. And then two plays after the resumption, the Bengals have scored to hit the front and then they've got the turnover from a from a dropped catch. Uh, so it, it, the match transformed in those minutes. And really, it took the entire second half for the Rams to claw their way back from that to eventually hit the front and, uh, and get the win that they so craved.
8: Jared, I saw a photo of you during the halftime show in the commentary box. I'm glad you took my advice on the weekend and put your hat on backwards. Looking yes, very, very. I think of you in that moment, G <laughs> Dog. I think I'm calling you now on on Twitter.
4: <laughs> oh, very good.
8: Let's let's talk about Cooper Cup. His performance was—he really came alive in that fourth quarter. He was outstanding, wasn't he?
12: He was. Like, that last play the march down the field and it's it's Matt Stafford's defining moment in his career so far the tension mounted as that was happening there was sort of an interesting dynamic where things gave way from the pure excitement and exhilaration and then became tense in that we all know what it's like to be in a ground where they're all um, their hearts and minds are invested in one team who's trying to come back and it gets to the really tense moments. And I think we all knew that Stafford was going for Cooper Cup and the Bengals were going to do everything legal and otherwise to prevent that. So we started to have penalties all over the place. For Some of those plays, there were flags coming in all directions. There was holding and pass interference and they all centred on Cup. Caught the ball in the back of the end zone, couldn't get his feet down inside. And then uh, finally... They tried the quarterback sneak to score, and then Stafford went to Cup. He looped the ball up and, and gave him the chance to spin around and get it. So, uh, yeah, he, I think it was 92 yards receiving he ended up with and two touchdowns. And, and the moment that wins the game, Stafford to Cup, when everybody knew that that was what was coming and they still couldn't prevent it. So, yeah, that, that, the tension that built through that and in a way it was quite a disjointed um drive at the end, just plays that required some um flags and penalties and discussions while we waited and yeah, um it really interesting so it, he's a, the choice of M V P at the end it, it felt to me like it was probably going to be Stafford or Aaron Donald and they went for Cooper Cup and fair enough in a, a two a two touchdown reception including the winner, yeah, is is in a game of small margins, that, that, that seems fair enough.
13: Yeah, defensive tackle Aaron Donald, he was outstanding, wasn't he? Now, do you think the game will be remembered for the final touchdown of of Cooper Cup? Or do you think the U.S. media will focus on the Bengals quarterback, Young Burroughs, in his second year, sacked seven times in a Super Bowl? It's unheard of.
12: So this is what we knew the risk in the game was, is without delving too deep into the analytics of it, the the offensive line of the Bengals is weak and they, they're a rebuilding team. This has happened in a hurry, but they're not able to provide the protection to give Joe Burrow the full chance. And we saw that uh, in the, in the divisional game. So essentially the semifinals where he got sacked nine times and they still somehow managed to win it, mm. which was, um, which was astounding. It made no sense whatsoever. Once, Once the Rams started to get to him, that was always the risk in the game. And that is how it panned out. They got to him seven times and they got to him on that last play as well. So that doesn't go down as a sack. But for all intents and purposes, it it
11: was as well. So,
12: yeah, I mean, the Bengals will walk away and go, they led into the final minute of the Super Bowl and they have to build an offensive line to give Joe Burrow the chance to be the, the great player that I suspect we all think he's going to grow into.
8: Well, it was one of the great Super Bowls. Um, thank you, Jared, for, for your time. And, and well done to you and, and Benny Graham. And, boys, the worst thing about being an NFL fan now, they have the longest off-season. Mm. We won't see any action <laughs> yes. until September now. So it's a seven. We've got
13: the AFL and the NRL. We've got the Third AFL time. and the NRL to yep. plug the
8: hole. So I think we'll be okay. Jared Waitley, who called the Super Bowl, live from SoFi Stadium today, thanks for your time on Sports Day. Uh, you're most welcome.
1: Yeah, did a great job, didn't he, Jared um, Waitley, over there in L.A.? Well, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Higher Ground. We've squeezed as much as we possibly could into the show. Um, I will join you again, I think, over the weekend. I'll be hosting Sports Day. Until then, take care. Keep smiling.